Hi, everybody. Some ways to stay in touch with us is through Untapped and Twitter as Craft Beer Comics, and Instagram and Facebook as Craft Beer and Comics. If you want to support us financially, head on over to patreon.com slash craftbeerandcomics and check out all the levels of support and the perks. Now enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Chad, and I'm the consumer. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm the assistant manager here at Astro Zombies. My name is Chris Losek. I'm also a manager. Jess Griego, chief experience officer of Bosky Brewing Company. And we'd like to welcome you to Craft Beer and Comics, a podcast. Yay! Yay! Oh, thank thank you. you very much. Have you ever used before? I. I must have, but I, it's not ringing a bell. Ah, it's delicious. You ever have, like, mining Googles? Yeah. The summer shandy? Whenever I have a, a, a beer that's got a fruit infusion, it always reminds me of mining Googles, just because that was the first in fruit-infused beer I ever had. So. Yeah. yeah. For I me, remember, it was uh, Blue Moon. Blue that was Moon? Like, yeah. That was kind of like the first, like, hey, this is a wheat beer that has oranges in it, and I thought that was cool. So I drank Blue Moons almost exclusively for like the first like I have a weird hate with Blue Moon. It tastes like celery. I can't explain it. Huh. It's still I can't explain it. It's just something weird. I like shocked up. Okay, but Blue Moon I'm apprehensive against. It's, I don't hate it. It's just not my preference. I would it's my like up. it's my go to like wings beer. Is mm. Blue Moon? Yeah, yeah. No, I can get that. Shock like, Top's a little too sweet for me. It has I that. That's like, why I like it. Shock Top's got that, like, hey, we put a bunch of orange flavor in this. But what you need to do is put lemon in it. And a Shock Top? Yeah, a lemon and okay. a Shock Top is fantastic. Sounds like a lot. But let's stop talking about other breweries. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What fruit would you put in this beer? Oh, I actually, I wanted to just say something about uh, Blue Moon real quick since we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a Belgian wit beer. Um, mm-hmm. So wit beers have coriander and orange peel. And so if you're not a big... Um, cilantro person which i'm not i generally um don't like that flavor profile it's soapy mm-hmm. but when you said celery it made me think that maybe it's the coriander kind of it could be it could be um, for sure. profile that's not yeah it's like it's like drinking so the yeah, yeah, totally. you mentioned you weren't big on cilantro are you one of the people that like cilantro tastes like soap? soapy Gotcha. So I soapy. love cilantro. Oh my gosh, Delicious I can't. Too. It will ruin a meal for me. I have to. It's understandable. So yeah. S- stop me if you've heard this before. But okay. it's this, that trait where some people, like cilantro, just tastes like soap to them, it's actually a like, genetic thing. Uh-huh. Like, it's in your genes yep. that, that's, that people, some people just genetically, yeah. cilantro tastes like soap. It's like not liking Rush because of Getty Lee's voice. Oh, wait, that's not like it at all. <laughs> never mind. The yeah. first time I heard that, I was like, okay, I get it, because I never understood why I, like, other people love cilantro so much, and to me, it just was, did not make any sense. And so, and then that's coriander, crazy. I don't, yeah. Do you all taste like soap? soap? Uh-huh. And what I mean, crazy pills? I didn't know that coriander and cilantro came from the same, I think it's the same plant, which also makes sense. So coriander oh, okay. is another one in beer that is pretty common flavor that I couldn't stand, and then it all made sense when... Yes. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So cilantro and coriander. Look at what you learned. I know, right? On this is podcast. so we haven't mentioned what we're drinking yet, yes. but we are drinking Bosky's um, Elephant Sun Parade, and right off the bat, I love this beer. <laughs> this okay. is great. Um, it's definitely one of my favorites we've had so far on the podcast. Um, okay. What 
what is this beer made with? Yeah, so it's a wheat beer uh, with, so wheat base, wheat ale, which if you like um, Blue Moon or um, wheat beers in general, then that makes sense. Um, but it's American style. So the yeast that's used is going to be much cleaner than a Hefeweizen or a Belgian style beer, which usually have more fruity characteristics like um, orange peel or banana specifically for Hefeweizen. So this is a clean American wheat base. And then we add raspberry puree. Um, I have to correct myself from last week. We used to have tart cherry, but now we've just exclusively gone with raspberry. So oh, okay. that's okay. the main um, fruit puree that's in there. Um, and it's really popular. This one is our bestseller. It kind of rotates with our IPA, which obviously New Mexicans are big IPA drinkers, but Elephants on Parade has become kind of our um, one of our flagship beers and is kind of has a cult following in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Cool. We've seen. So we just did it as a specialty draft release probably in 2016 or 17. And it was so funny seeing a pink beer on people's tables, right? Because right. you just don't see that. And now they're pretty common. Uh, you see them a lot more. But at the time, it was unique. And um, you'd see kind of big adult grown men on Friday afternoons <laughs> with big 20-ounce pink beers. And everyone's like, what's that? And we've noticed that just with beers that look a certain way in general people will see it walk by on a tray and go what what is that i want to try that and that's kind of what happened with elephants right that, that i think that's one of the one of the things that sometimes is overlooked by people is that you know even just the color of the beer mm -hmm. people will look at and be like that looks interesting i'll try that mm -hmm. you know and it could have nothing to do with the taste but yeah yeah you know, i mean but this one does for sure yeah. it's raspberry yeah. pink yeah. A, i can taste the raspberries in it for sure it, mm -hmm. it tastes pretty much how you expect a beer that pours pink to taste you yeah know? yeah there's another brewery in town that has a blue it's like blue okay mm -hmm. it's a little goblet and it's a it's a sour but you know blue you don't see blue it's like teal right yeah but you're just like whoa that's cool i want to drink it just because how yeah. often do you yeah. drink a blue liquid that's not Windex. Is that there the Inigo a... Montoya you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was trying to, <laughs> trying to be coy. <laughs> there was a Romulan Ale. Don't they do that as well? Like it's blue or something like that? Oh, my. Don't, I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know. No, I think you're right. I mean, from you're Star probably Trek. right. Yeah. 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 But it's funny, like you're saying. Not from a like local you're... brewery. From Star Trek. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's funny because you mentioned like these, you know, big burly guys with this nice pink drink. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, you know... It's funny because it's, uh, you know, as we've moved forward in forward thinking people, they're like, I don't care if it's pink. Yeah, I'm I'm drinking. Drinking. I don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, we're in a salmon. <laughs> I don't know. Is it salmon or is it pink? I would say that's, that's, would say like, that's like straight up pink. I think me. it's straight up pink. What's, I like it. That's why I wore it. <laughs> I don't think it's pink. All right, well. It's got an orange tint to it. on the pink it. spectrum, maybe? Well, yeah, I mean, salmon is. It's orange yeah. pink. Yeah. But, I mean, that's less orange. You know that like eighty percent of salmon that you buy at a store is is dyed to be the oh, color. The fish you're yeah. talking about. Oh, really? Yeah, that disappoints me. That's a weird. And and then eighty percent of fish that you think you're eating that isn't cod is cod. Even sushi places okay. sell cod as other fish. What is that? That is also disappointing. Oh, you have no idea. Yeah, welcome, Alaskan White Cod. Welcome to Fish Talk Corner. <laughs> fish Talk. Um, we the, tell you about all the fish scams. Wait, man, we're gonna learn some stuff here. Calamari. You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what Squid. calamari is, though, right? No. A, a lot of time, it's just pig intestines. Oh, really? Yeah. So they get away with. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've just upset someone. Oh man, so I'm so upset by that. 
Right. Like I really enjoy calamari. Yeah, so. from what I understand, like if you have a less than reputable supplier, yeah. they're like, sure, it's Here's the calamari. calamari. It's already chopped up, though. Well, where are all the suction cups? Eh, those parts fell off. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's like, don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry about it. This is this is what you want. It's calamari. I swear. Deep fry it. They're gonna eat it. They're gonna love it. I tell you what. <laughs> um, and I do. Damn it, I do. I I have calamari at every place I I go to. Every time I go to a new place, if they have calamari on the appetizer list, boom, it's done. I've yeah. never I've never cared for it. I don't care if it's pig. If it's done not, poorly, it just... it's not good. Okay. I mean, and so you know, a lot of people are turned off by it. One, it's squid. Right? And people right. are like, ew, I'm not going to eat that. And then two, it's either cooked wrong. If it's chewy, it's overcooked. Yeah. Right. So that's a lot of times you get, I mean, almost you know, 50% of the time you get I've, overcooked. And it's, yeah, I was going to say, it seems very common that it's overcooked. Yes, then, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I spend a lot of time chewing on calamari when I work. Have you ever been to Pelicans? They sell like these strips. They're like calamari I'm pretty strips. sure I have. It doesn't stick it's out It's like a deep fried like finger. Oh, interesting. But That's large. deep fried finger. <laughs> <laughs> like That's calamari finger. You know like, like, Let's not it's have... like a mozzarella stick, a little bit bigger. It's like okay. twice the size of a mozzarella stick. Okay. But it's calamari. <laughs> like it's the whole squid. Well, than... so there's different parts of the calamari. You know, there's the circles, which is right. like the body. And then there's little squid t- tentacle parts, which is obviously the baby tentacles. But then they also get big squid and they cut out sections. And that's where the big ones are. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not even interested. Not in the slightest. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the the big ones are like nice and, and uh, you can bite right through them. They're like butter. Yeah. But they don't quite have the flavor profile of the smaller ones, so it's weird. I don't know. Okay. I eat a lot of calamari. Um, apparently. So so you were saying you were saying this is a elephants on parade is a, a staple beer, so it's always on. Right? Always on. Yes. Oh, so we parade. just did. This pleases me. A rebrand of all of our cans last year, um, and this one is I think they all have similar um, designs, but then the color scapes are different. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I feel like this one is just very reminiscent of the Sandias, and um, sure. I just really am happy with this beer and the branding, especially. Nice. And last week you were yeah, saying definitely. that it was named something different, but then yeah, Disney right. got involved. Exactly, yeah. Pink Elephants on Parade was the name, and then we were able to trademark Elephants on Parade without Disney coming after us. So Which is it's good. evolved. Yeah, and this beer has evolved too. So it's really hard when you add fruit into um, any beer that's being canned because obviously there's going to be residual sugar, which could cause a secondary fermentation, right. which obviously anything that's carbonated can, you know, um, explode and so we had to change the recipe from originally when it was just on draft when that was a non-issue to be shelf stable in the can so oh, wow. we were really happy with um, being able to um, ensure that the beer is stable in the can but also still has that fruit um, characteristic and yeah this one's this one's you a can favorite. definitely taste the raspberry and it tastes a little yeah, different from right. what i recall it tasting like back in the day i mean i've drank it several times since since i uh, had it on draft at red robin but it's it, it tastes different for sure. Yeah, it's, right. it's not bad. Yeah, oh yeah. In fact, just... I think it's actually smoother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it says it's only five point five percent ABV, which I am happy about because it it's very very easy to drink. Yep. Yeah, very easy to drink a lot, a lot of, of this a lot of this very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are these are great for you know obviously not like a day to day, but um, on a summer like nice and hot, you're out on a porch. 
just a nice cooling fruit flavor to it. Totally. So of course we're drinking it on like the coldest day in <laughs> right. like six months. Yeah, it turns out it's a yeah. hurricane weather <laughs> yesterday, and then today it's uh, winter wonderland weather. Right. I am fairly certain I saw a snowflake or two on the drive-in this morning. Yeah. I mean, my family was talking about how it's how it's supposed to snow in Colorado. It already did snow. It did, in Colorado. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it was Turns 100 degrees. Right. I think it was 102 degrees in Denver on Sunday, and then it snowed yesterday. So That's crazy. Talking right. about I've experienced that. I went to a Denver Bronco Miami Dolphin game uh, a few years back, and in the morning I had chicken and waffles on wow. a patio for breakfast. And so when we went to the game, <laughs> That's a really which was an map. evening game, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I I'll wear a, a light coat, and mm-hmm. it'll be all good. It was a nightmare. It was oh, yeah. so oh. cold. By the time we got there, it was a blizzard. Yep. And the wind was relentless. And we were sitting right in the middle, nosebleeds. It was a great shot, but we couldn't even stay for the full game because it was so cold. <laughs> so we had a, gr- we had a great view. It's too bad our eyelids were frozen shut. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I saw that earlier, too. I've been to many a freezing Bronco game. Fun, but yeah. cold. I used, to, I used to live up there, and so, I you know, the... The thing was, is you keep your snow stuff in the trunk mm-hmm. or in the back. You're like, cool, I'm in flip-flops and shorts right now. Four o'clock hits, and it's, you know, six inches deep. You're right, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, I like Albuquerque better. So Me too. That's me, me too. Mm. <laughs> might just be, it might just be the desert person speaking in me, but I tend to prefer the cold weather. So, I mean, that's the thing. That's what's weird, is I prefer the cold weather. But I like Albuquerque a lot, and part of that is because you you do kind of get that mix. And if it's if it is ungodly hot down here, you just take a tram ride, go and up into the mountains. It's, it's not like it doesn't get cold. I mean, every morning right. is a little chilly. Yeah, and but and then in the winter, after, but then in the afternoon, it's you know 104 degrees in the summer, and we rarely break 100. Yeah, okay, we're not Arizona. <laughs> <Arizona. laughs> fair, fair. It, it feels 99. The last few weeks have felt really hot. But I've also, we went to hot. Chicago two summers mm. ago, and it was around 92, whatever, like pretty average temperature for Albuquerque, but it was so humid that I yeah, felt like I was going to die, and I, it really made me appreciate Albuquerque at least, you know, not being humid when it's that hot. Yeah, humidity that's a whole is other, the worst. Yeah. I hate it. I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was, like, suffocating. Yeah, yep. The, yeah. Yep. the air is thick, mm-hmm. and then shade doesn't help at all. And, no, no, and then you know when it's nighttime, it's still like the the temperature like doesn't change at night if the mm-hmm. place you're in is humid gets enough. Hotter in yeah. some weird way, yeah. Yep. So next time I go to Chicago, I'll go earlier in the summer because we went right at the end of July. And I went on the last day of summer, and I got there and I was like, oh, it's nice and warm. But then at the end of the, that day, <laughs> I decided to go walk to get some food. And I had to grab, go back and grab a jacket because it was just... It's either like miserable hot or like zero degrees. Like there's no... Yeah. Imag- that, I don't know, which makes me appreciate Albuquerque because you right. get the seasons, and but it's, you know, livable. They call right. it the Windy City and it's not necessarily because it's always windy. It's because the wind that comes off the lake it's is so like... cold. Yeah, it'll just kill you cold. Like ridiculous cold. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, it's, it's that humid... It's that humid cold... And humid cold is different than dry cold. It just like bites yeah. through whatever you're wearing. Yeah, it smacks you in the face. One time I was in Atlanta and it was during this like freak cold snap that they were having. But 
it was Atlanta humidity. So the cold was just, it's like the, the most cold I've ever been. And I was in Atlanta of all places. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. That sounds terrible. Unless you're listening in Atlanta. Hello, folks in Atlanta. We love you. Atlanta's the best. We talked about fish. Yes. Weather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is craft beer and comics country, and everything else we talk about. I feel like it's me. Listen, so. at least we haven't, no, 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 no. Listen, Trust, we haven't we, talked about Star Wars yet. I Not yet. am a, a person who will get off track pretty easily, and mm-hmm. I'll take it there. because we're, It's a podcast. It's we're just talking, we you know? We're just talking. We're just talking. We're just talking. And if you're not along for the ride, well, then get off. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> no, no. Don't listen it's to okay. Everybody stay. Everybody stay. So, um, so I guess one of the questions I have, I mean, again, we talked to you last week about, uh, I mean, you've been in, you've been with Bosque from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I know I keep saying Bosque and you guys are saying it differently. Is that okay? Is it oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, if Bosque, Bosque, those okay. are the two that I hear the most. What's um, the weirdest one you've ever heard? Bosque. Yeah. happens a lot out of okay. state so like every time we've won a medal at gabf which has been quite a few times um whatever the you know announcer bosque ipa by bosque <laughs> yeah. brewing company in albuquerque new mexico and it's like yeah, uh, yeah they got albuquerque. Uh, oh so then the, which was worse when we so our wet hop ipa was named Asequia, um and that one won three years in a row Nice. And every time it was Asequia by Bosque Brewing Company. We're like, ah, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I mean, obviously people just aren't familiar with, um, you know, Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. And right. so, yeah, Bosque, Bosque. The okay. weirdest one is Bosque for sure. Bosque. Outside of New that. Mexico, I hear, we hear Bosque more than anything else. Well, that makes the, sense. And the Bosque is such a Albuquerque thing. Totally. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, you, you really only know what, like what people are talking about if you're from here. Mm-hmm. Even so, Las Cruces, they weren't familiar with, you know, because really? it's more desert down there and there yeah. isn't a Bosque the same way. And th- so. Does the river run through Cruces at all? It does, though, right? Uh, I think it has to, doesn't it? Um, well, it doesn't have to, but I, mean, I think it does. I believe it does, but it's not... <laughs> I mean, it's I used to like, live down there. It's not, there's not like a, like a green section that, of town. Right. It's not like a foresty like feel. Although there is, I mean, there's, there's certainly like a Sequias and there's a lot of nice greenery where they're, uh, the pecan trees are growing. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we moved into Cruces, people were like, what is, like asking the same thing? Yeah. I just feel like it's not the same, like destin- destination it's, that it is in Albuquerque. Like I'm going is. to the Bosque this weekend to run or ride a bike. Like right. it's just kind of not the same. There's a lot so of for, hiking in the mountains. So for those of you who don't know, the bosque or bosque is the the foliage, the growth of trees that are on either side of a river. And it's just the Spanish way of saying. Yeah, a lot of other places a lot of other places in the US will call that part of town like the green belt or it's just this patch of greenery that runs alongside the river that runs through the middle of town. A river runs through it. Yeah, it does. Well. They call it the Green Belt in Corrales on the, the side where, you know, because Corrales is, runs by the river on yeah. half of it and, and does not on the other half. And there's a significant difference in, in climate because of that. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a Green Belt in Corrales. Just about any city I've been to where there's like a major river that runs through the middle of town, they call it the Green Belt because it's the greenest part of town. And it runs right through the middle and... It keeps the pants on. It yeah, does. It does. It's always important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> important. Which leads yeah. me back to the question I was going to ask. Ah, uh, so you've pants. been around since the beginning. Yes. This was, so this is obviously a different formula. 
Um, but it wasn't one of your original beers, correct? No. So actually the only beer that we still have on from when we opened in 2012 is Scotia, which is our Scotch ale, which would have been a perfect beer for today, actually. Um, everything else when John Bullard came on, so he came on in 2014 and he's our head brewer, um, chief production officer. Um, he came from Blue Corn in Santa Fe. He came up at Trauma, worked at Marble. So he's, um, he's an amazing brewer and he came on kind of took a chance on us we were small back then we were at the san mateo location we talked about had the really small um brewery and then we moved to a 15 barrel facility that was right next door so we brought him on when we were kind of really going for it like really wanting to um make our mark in new mexico and he basically trashed everything except for scotia oh wow yeah which uh, you know our ceo at the who now at the time was the head brewer you know told him like do what you got to do. I trust you. We want to have world-class beer and you know, this is a new playground for you. Do what you want to do. So that's um, cool. Yeah. Nice to so, have the autonomy cool. to do totally. That. Right. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, that's amazing to have the, the ex head brewer hire somebody and be like, this is the beers. Okay. We're throwing them all out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Right. Yeah. No, the, you know, there's a pride thing that gets in the way. You're like, but these are my beers. And right. Like, you know, yeah. That makes really me cool. wonder, like, what was it about the Scotia that he, that, that one, like that was the one he chose to keep around. Totally, we have there is like kind of a cult following for that beer as well. Um, gotcha. It is very unique. It's a Scotch ale. It's not you don't see that a lot, especially canned in the industry, but in New Mexico in particular. And there's just like a really dedicated following to that beer. And it's it's not it's I think the what John really likes not only about you know having that following, but is that it's so unique. Like you're not seeing that style come from anyone else. Yeah, and so we kind of totally own true. that um, in gotcha. the city in the state, which is not that like there's, I don't know, dibs on certain things, but like that's kind of just become synonymous with Bosky. Like Scott, that anybody that's talking about Bosky knows the Scotia or elephants on parade. Yeah, those yeah. are the two that people love the most. It kind of yeah. makes, kind of makes other breweries go, well, we could do a Scotch ale, but can we really compete with Bosky's kind right. of thing? No, absolutely. Well, that's and that's like the benchmark. Double white. Like I think everyone kind of has like, like mm-hmm. benchmarks, like you said, and we all, you know, I think our, um, we have things that we kind of keep to the chest, and then there's we're also all inspired by one another, and that kind of elevates certain styles, especially like. Like when we're um, elevated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, that IPA intended, is a little too much for me. Like, it smacks you upside the face, and like, some minutes after you. No, but no. it's just. I don't it's know. Like it's just a very hoppy. Barely IPA. Yeah, it's a gnarly. I like that. Um, Ten minutes later, you're like, "Oh yeah, I drank that IPA." <laughs> <laughs> They're doing a lot of good, really cool hazy beers too. And so I was gonna say the hazy beers right now, especially. I feel like every time someone comes out with a really great one, it incentivizes. You know, all the brewers are like, "How can I, you know, do something just as great?" And so that's where I'm seeing a lot of um, not like a style that everyone's really going for right now with hazies whereas then we all kind of have our own little niche styles like scotia for instance for us or even elephants on parade um marble has double white but that's kind of their thing that they own so um yeah it's just interesting to see kind of what what everyone digs their teeth into and it's cool yeah, yeah. I like that. so it's an interesting community out here for yeah. the beer so chris Tell me, tell me what the the shop has dug its teeth into this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See that? Yeah, yeah, that was nice. That was clever. Um, so last Saturday was our last free comic book Saturday, and then I got my order on Tuesday with 
four more boxes of free comic book day comic books, even oh. though the event ended technically today. Okay. So we are going to hold it out over for one more week. Um, doing all the things again, free comic books. We'll have the four free comic books that came out this week that didn't get shipped in time. Oh, wow. And then we'll have uh, the leftovers of what was left over, which we still have almost all the titles, yeah. at least a little bit of. Um, there's there's a handful that, that aren't there anymore, but for the most part, most are there. Um, we'll be doing you know some good sales, so that's, that's kind of the holdover thing that's going on. Um, DC has changed the distributor which almost everybody knows. It used to be Diamond Comics, and they were like the monopoly for comic books for at least 25 years. Well, they've gone to somebody called Lunar Distribution, at least for th- this side of the country. And they've been doing a really, really good job um, where we haven't gotten any damaged books, we haven't gotten any misships, everything showed up on time. However, this week, we normally <laughs> DC changed it to where new comic book day for DC is Tuesdays now, and it was Wednesday for almost everybody else. And, and it always has been Wednesday, but now DC's changed it, and because of their, you know, there's speculation as to why, but the, the most logical reason is that the mother company that owns them does all new release stuff on Tuesdays, so everything right. comes out on Tuesday. Why are they going to change it for the little comic book section of this giant corporation? Which seems kind of surprised am, they even noticed. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was like, just saying. Oh, we own comic books? <laughs> right. <laughs> In my opinion, that seems a little short-sighted. Like you're you're alienating the customer base that is already there. I agree. And when and I'm I'm talking from my own personal experience. When I get confused, I I don't try and ask questions because I feel stupid. I should know what's going on. And so if I showed up, you're the customer. It's okay for you to ask. Well, right. No, and I understand that. It's fine that you're. We however we however are expected to know what's going on in every single comic book on the shelf, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Right. Because I definitely have enough. There's definitely enough hours in the week for me to read that many comics, right? Ah, we sure. make the attempt though. So it's yeah, we do. A, we do the best yeah. we can. Um, but it just for me, it just it it shows a. I don't know when you change. Like I'm a middle class white guy who's threatened by change. Yeah, like, yeah, I, that's hard. I, you know, sense. that's. Here's here's what it did though. Um, one, it it broke up the consumers, so now there's a big difference between a DC person and a Marvel person. Before, you know, they would come in and they'd mingle and shop, and it was there are the DC people, and there are the Marvel people, don't get me wrong, but now they're even more divided, where they don't even see each other, they don't have an opportunity to talk, and so that kind of camaraderie has gone out the window. Back in the day, when everybody came in on Wednesdays, knife fight. Every single Wednesday, (laughs) you could count on it. Yeah, it was was pretty fun, man. Yeah, There are... Knife so fight. you can't. I've, so I've you lost can't some serious money and not be able to bet on the DC guys. Can you read both? Like, or is that not? Is that <laughs> <laughs> we're we're so, being so, stupid. So we're I'm being the funny. guy. I'm the guy <laughs> I'm who so does vulnerable. read both. No, okay, like, but, okay. Like honestly, I didn't get as many of. I didn't read very many books this week yet, because the large majority of my subscriptions that came uh, out this week were DC, and our DC stuff came late. Right. So I haven't had a chance to read them yet. And so, I read more Marvel stuff. Okay. And so it, it is, you you definitely can read both, but there is that subculture of gatekeeping where it's right. like, oh, well, Marvel's better than DC. Why are you reading that garbage? I always liken like, it to Coke and Pepsi. Oh, you know, totally, yeah, yeah. Some people prefer Coke, some people prefer, prefer Pepsi, mm-hmm. and some people won't drink the other because it's right. nonsense garbage. Yeah, yeah. I'm on both sides. I prefer Pepsi. I like that sweetness. You know, Coke is a more robust flavor. It's spicier. I right, right. It's spicier. Like Scotia. Yeah, sure. There you go. 
And it's just like that. I mean, just with breweries, you have yeah. some mm-hmm. people who show up and they're like, this is the only brewery I'll go to. 100%. Why do you drink that garbage over there? Right. Whereas You're like, well, it's I'm, like, it's, I'm just drinking. I like beer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, okay. I like good beer. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. But I would always, like I was talking about elevated, too hoppy for me. I much right. prefer Bosky or Marble or Ex Novo. Just a little less hop, a little less punch to the face and the, 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 thro- the throat taste buds. But, um, so the point I was making with the DC stuff is all these DC people came in yesterday Uh-oh. and couldn't find their books. And then we're like, well, they should be here anytime today because they were supposed to be. Right. So part of the, the fallout that we we're experiencing from DC changing their days from Wednesday to Tuesday is if we have a holiday on a Monday, which happens four times a year. Yeah. Maybe more. Probably more. Yeah. Labor Day, Memorial Day. Federal uh, holidays. Right, right. However, New Year's falls. But then that, I, I mean, wasn't counting those as okay. just like, there's guaranteed at least four holidays on a Monday. Totally. We're going to get our books late for DC every time that happens now. So because they had to change what they were doing. Is that, again, is that short-sightedness? They didn't think of the holiday missing shipping? Or was it... All, their whole move was a little short-sighted. I would say opinion. yes, yeah. It's... In some ways, I think it's good. I mean, just breaking up the diamond monopoly, I think, is going to be good for the industry in the long run. We all complained about it for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now that it's happening, we're like, wait. (laughs) And and honestly, this week is the first problems we've had with Lunar so far. Okay. And the problems we have with DC, you know, missing books, damaged books. With Diamond? With Diamond. Like, we're not, we don't have, we haven't had nearly as many problems in that area with Lunar. But... It's fresh. It's brand new. Yeah. It's only a few and months old. But it's, and they're only but it's dealing this with... new company coming along and doing it and doing it better in a lot of ways. You would think Diamond would start thinking, oh, well, we got to step up our game to make sure we don't lose more contracts. I feel they've gotten worse. And right. like in our experience here in the store, it feels like they've gotten worse. It's Granted, that's probably because they're dealing with the... With the well, short staff. They're short staff because of COVID and, and all that. But, I mean... It makes me wonder, like, if with Lunar doing really well at how they pack books mm-hmm. and how we've really have had no problems with missing t- with Today missing was the books. first time we had missing books. Yeah, we've okay. had, we had missing books today, and it was the first time. In fact, it was the first problem we've had, period, Yeah, this with week Lunar. with late delivery, because, I mean, we just got it two hours before we closed on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. So it's nobody just... that was shopping books yesterday or today. Was able to get DC. DC And here's the thing. We talked to another comic book store yesterday, and they had gotten theirs, which means all day today, they were able to sell DC while I was not. Right. So I was going to bring that up, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because that seems like a huge issue from from distributing. It's like if, again, I like to draw the parallel with beers and stuff. It's like if you've got a distributor and they're dropping off, here's here's the main beer that... that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's that. We're gonna drop that off, but Bosque, your your beer will be there when it gets there. That creates that that creates a whole slew of like you're legal losing issues, money, don't man. You think? Well, uh, I don't know about legal issues, uh, just because. I mean, nobody's liable for when their comic books come out. You know, the, your life doesn't depend on it. But there is a, a there is a release date. If if I put the comic books out early, I certainly will be in trouble. Right. So why aren't they shows... in trouble for getting me the comics late? Right. Because because most it... and most comic books have a shelf life. 
That's the problem. Right. I was going to say, and, and it, it goes to your business as, oh, they're always late with putting their comic books out. They're right. just lazy. Dude, I know they're back absolutely. there. Absolutely. The I know they're back there. Really absolutely. You can, you can tell a customer <laughs> that this happens, but I've seen it in faces where you're like, we just haven't got the diamond. They're like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. They're like, well, hey, it's just yeah, a comic yeah. book. But yeah. Well, and even if they, even if they're not mad about it, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, but I wanted to read, you know, I wanted to read my DC books. Disappointment is unavoidable. Yeah. And so they go and get them from someplace that has them on their shelf. Right. The shelf. Mm-hmm. And then and, they come in and they go, ah, oh, I already got that book somewhere else. So I don't want it. And technically, you know, by word of contract, co- verbal contract, they're supposed to get any book that we order for them. Right. And but that's. Yeah. If they're subscribers, but mm-hmm. if they're just coming in to buy things off the shelf, absolutely, and, we lost you know, the, sale. the new, right. you know, the new Wonder Woman isn't on the shelf there. We lost that sale. They're going to go pick it up at another shop in town. I can think of at least four people today that buy comics that. off the shelf, not as subscribers, every week. That's how some people do it, right? They and just see what's there and right. pick up and stuff that they want. With no DC anywhere, guess what? We didn't do. We didn't sell so. any of those comic books. So I lost money today because of FedEx and a holiday. Yeah. Seriously. That's rough, man. Yeah. What are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Like you said, you know, from the top down, shit rolls downhill. So it's not like you can push it back up to them. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it wasn't like a huge release week. Right. It was pretty mellow for both DC and the other titles. Um, That goes into another point, which is Diamond, who has been notoriously shitty at this. Um, You know, they sent me a whole stack of books bent. I right. can't, can't sell those sell comics. Those. I mean, I could, but nobody wants to buy them because they're collector's items. Last, so then, you don't week. get them for two weeks. Mm. And by then, Everybody's customers have else. gotten them somewhere else. Or we've got subscribers who are like, yeah, I was really looking forward to reading Wolverine, but half our Wolverines came with a big old bend right. a third of the way up the book. And Shoot, some half the Amazing Spider-Man that came out two weeks ago didn't show up until today. Yep. Yeah, nobody likes Spider-Man, right? Nobody cares about picking up Spider-Man. No, not days. really. That's I right. Don't, I don't read <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man? So anybody out there is that he, reads him. Is he in a band? <laughs> he was actually in a book that I read. Uh, speaking of which, he was, was he in this that you read, Jason? Um, yes, he was, but somewhat briefly. Um, so I read this week, I read the wrap-up books for the Marvel event for this summer, which was called Empire. Um, it was delayed a lot because of COVID, and so book uh, event that was supposed to be spread out over a few months kind of came out over the course of like six to eight weeks. Oh, man, it was relentless, too. Yeah, it was like two books a week. Like all of the – it was basically weekly with multiple books a week, and so it was relentless. And unfortunately, I don't think that this was as a successful an event as Marvel has done in the past. Um, but there was a lot to like about it. Um so sort of the basic idea is there are these two warring alien races in the Marvel Universe, the Kree and the Skrulls. We've seen the Kree and the Skrulls in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've seen them both so Captain far. Captain Marvel and... Yeah, Captain Marvel deals with the Kree That was the biggest lot. one, I would say, right? Yeah. They're in there the most. And then the Skrulls are also in Captain Marvel as well, and I think we're going to see more... We're going to see a lot more from the Skrulls in coming years. Well, we still haven't seen the Super Scroll in the movies, which I mean, it's a Fantastic right. Four villain, right, right, right. So he's he's really cool. 
But it wouldn't make sense without the Fantastic Four because yeah, he's got he's the powers of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> he's literally four. a scroll that has the powers of all four of the Fantastic Four. Right. And since so we haven't seen the Fantastic Four in the MCU yet, that wouldn't really make much sense. That would be weird. Um, but this is an event that's focused on the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Um, basically, these warring alien races, the Kree and the Skrulls, they've been fighting this never-ending war for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of spawned from this event that happened on Earth's moon. And well, <laughs> so let me ask you this real quick. Okay. <laughs> Did they just make that that started up in this event? Because I don't recall no, having heard that I, really before. My understanding is that that's from the like old school Avengers storyline, Kree okay. Scroll War. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Like the Kotati and all of that, I think is from. Okay. So it all from existed older before. Avengers books. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, I'm relatively young as far as, like, comic, like, superhero readers can be, so I, I haven't read much of that stuff, so I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but basically, the Kree and the Skrulls, they, they unite under a one particular Marvel character from the Young Avengers named Hulkling, because he's unique in that he's half Skrull, half Kree. Right. And so they unite under him as king to face a, a larger threat in the Kotati, which is like this alien race of plant Plants. people, essentially. They're vegans. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, no, they're not. Right. No, <laughs> no, they're, they're very, cannibals. They're very, yeah, they're cannibalistic plants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, okay. It's getting weirder, so, but all right. So vegan. Yeah, I mean, I mean comics, 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 just comics get weird, let me tell you. Um, it's all just imagination. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So the Kotati have dealt with the Avengers in the past and they've been friendly with the Avengers. So they get the Avengers on their side at the beginning of this event and the Avengers are essentially duped and the Kotati decide that they're going to make this militaristic push to eliminate all animal life in the universe essentially so that they'll be only plant life will be, will be dominant in the universe. But they don't, they don't, tell the Avengers that initially. No. The Avengers just think that they're being invaded um, by, by the Kree and the Skrulls. Right. War Machine, which is led by somebody that didn't, they didn't even realize who was leading it until after they had already chosen a side. Yeah. Which is kind of one of my first complaints about this, and you and Me I have talked too. about this yeah. before, is this character, it's Hulkling. So he's a young Avenger. He's got the Avengers phone number. <laughs> At least one of them. At least one of them. He could have he could have called it. He could have called ahead and been like, "Hey, so turns out this race of plant people that live on the moon, don't trust them. Don't trust them. Right. Like we're on our way to deal with them. Maybe you should team up with us and and take out this threat to Yeah, heads up. You got a freaking a killer army of plants on their way to like take over your planets. We're going to help. Just hang tight. So, but instead no. Essentially, this this event came down to the Kotati are trying to take over the universe, and they're starting with Earth. And the Skrulls and the Kree have always thought of Earth as this just sort of like dirty backwater planet that that's easily expendable and kind that's... of causes kind of causes problems anyway. So maybe since this is where this problem is coming from, maybe we just take out this whole solar system and everybody goes home. I think it's funny <laughs> right. that every alien race thinks we're a big armpits of the universe yet everything always happens here on earth and in our solar system right, yeah, it, it's sure. it, the that that storyline that hook doesn't really work anymore 
if if you continuously come back to this place. It's, it's just like all aliens landing in the United States. You know? Well, right. but it's, yeah. you're just like, okay. But in the no. Marvel Universe, if, if every sort of universe-ending event sort of is focused around planet Earth, you, the other we alien, care. the other alien races in the universe would start to think of Earth as like, man, that planet's trouble. Right. Every time, <laughs> every time everything's about to end, they're involved, and it never ends. So maybe we shouldn't mess with them because obviously they're yeah. capable of stopping us. Right. But then again, it's like a challenge. You're like, hey, unless they're reading the down hit, Earth, unless they're reading the Hitchhiker's Guide, and they're just like, eh, it's mostly harmless. Yeah, forty two. Yeah. So. <laughs> But this event, it's it's been very. My my chief problem with it has been pacing. I feel like the first issue was really great. Mm-hmm. Chris and I, you Chris, you really you and I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. that we first were, issue. The number zero. Yeah. yeah. Well, even just the number one. Oh, the there's number just one. That scene too. where Thor's throwing the throws the hammer oh, into yeah, the, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. there's that the Iron Man bomb attached to it. Yeah. And Hulkling just stops it with that crazy universe sword. sword. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, and then nothing else cool really happens <laughs> in this really. event for like five more issues. No. Except for the event, the X-Men Empire, which I really liked. Which was a tie-in. Right, but yeah. it doesn't feel like a tie-in. It feels like it was its own little story, and the, the Katati were just kind of the, the catalyst. Talking about the, the one story with Magneto, or Magneto is just sort of... Just, just Well, Scarlet Witch decides to resurrect Genosha, but of course because she's Scarlet Witch, they're all zombies. Oh, good for her. Right. So you're like, hey, here's, you know, however many million uh, mutants back to life. Kind of. Like, they're dead, but they still have their powers, which is really weird. And here's how that feels to me, is that might have just been a story that Jonathan Hickman had been wanting to do with Mm -hmm. the X-Men during his run. And maybe, I don't know, I'm not saying that this this would happen, but it kind of feels to me like editorial was like, yeah, but we've got this Empire event going on, so make that tie in with Empire somehow. What I think is that fandom has, and because I've thought it myself, I'm like, if if Scarlet Witch errantly killed all these mutants, couldn't she purposely resurrect them? Because I mean, that's her power is it's to magic. Yeah, it's magic based on probability. So if the probability is one in one million that uh, the mountain's going to fall because one pebble got moved, she can make that happen. Okay. So couldn't you just do the opposite of that and bring back said millions of mutants? What say you? Oh, like, I'm... <laughs> You're like, I don't even know what's happening. Like, Listen, I'm barely holding on <laughs> to this. <laughs> I know. I'm like, like talking <laughs> about like 17 different kinds of aliens. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> That's why I was. I so, anyways, the, the X-Men <laughs> Empire I would thought was really fun, and they do get to the bottom of that yeah, Scarlet Witch thing, and Doctor Strange is there. And, and don't get fun. me wrong. There's, there's a lot of books going on with this Empire event, so there's definitely bright spots. Yeah. And that X-Men book That's is, any is one of them. Crossover. And then there was that, that yeah, X-Men the issue that, that tied in, and that well, the Magneto one we talked about a few weeks ago on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. Yeah. But that could literally have been any, <laughs> any alien race or any sort of other aggressor. Right. It didn't so, have and, to be the Katati. And that's the problem with it, this, this whole event, is that your event should be that awesome part. Yeah. And then a tie in here or there can be the weak points, you know? Yeah. Like it didn't really tie in really well, but you should have issues to get to the points. Right. You know, that was kind of what Jason. And And so with, with this issue, one of my problems was there's, um, if I if I may, 
There's a so specifically we're looking at Fantastic Four Empire Fallout. Fantastic Empire. Four colon Empire colon Fallout. <laughs> colon. Uh, written by <laughs> Dan Slott. Artist yeah. is Sean Azikis. Isaacis. I'm very sorry, all of you. This people. podcast is terrible at names. We are just really so you know, bad at names. Spoiler alert: We suck at names. Um. Also, it turns alert. out there's a lot of people from all over the world making comics these days, which is great. Which is awesome. Fantastic. But it means we're bad at pronouncing their names. So this is what page? This is the first page. So the first page, you get the ship coming in. The art is beautiful, by the way. I, I will yeah, say I, that. I dig the I art. I really like the art. But the one of the problems I have here is, I'll set this. I'm sorry, every I'm all noise. you listeners out there, I'm making noise. So you see the ship coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about like, oh, here comes the Fantastic Four ship, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't see Johnny over here anywhere. And then all of a sudden you see this trail go off and like, oh, Johnny, wait up. And he's gone. I was like, where is, I, I don't know where he's <laughs> He was at. on the ship. He was waiting for his time to disappear. Well, then I realized that this isn't, this isn't the jet trails on the ship over here. That's him leaving. It's his firestorm. Right. But trail. it didn't set up like that he was sitting there. And then right, all, right. You don't even see and him. And then all picture. of a sudden he's literally there when they land. He comes back. He was just like, I was just taking, I was just taking a lap, guys. <laughs> just going for a lap. Yeah, it's like Leia walking right by Chewbacca in Episode Seven when Han Solo is killed, and she goes and hugs Ray, and you're like, Wait, Wait you've got a lot. Like, you've what got is like going on? Thirty-five, forty years of of history with Chewbacca, right. even on this girl for a day and a half. And fact. it's to me, this book, uh, Fantastic Four, Fallout Number One. It was just to me, it was so disjointed. Like, it was very obvious that they were trying to make it an event and trying well, to get all these things together. And for me, it didn't work. These issues, because there was this and then there was an Avengers one, Avengers-focused one called Aftermath, Aftermath yeah. that were sort of like the coda on the event, on the event as a whole. So these are like, think of this as like, this is the epilogue. No, I, I 100% understand that. But it's that's what I'm saying, is it's so disjointed that it doesn't make any sense anyway. Yeah. Is it, does it... Does it move the story along? Is it important? Do we need it to feel that we wrapped up this well, storyline and this event was great because of Aftermath and Fallout? And here's the thing. I don't think either of these issues needed to exist. Not at all. Like, they don't really serve the story overall. Um, but there's some just sort of fun little Marvel Universe stuff here. Um, like, Thor takes them to a different... Pl- the Kotati to a, a different planet. Just so they're like, hey, we're not going to kill all of you. We're going to take you to this planet. I'm going to use my Odin Force powers to make this planet green. And you guys just get to live here now. But just stay on this planet. That was very nice. Don't don't cause any more trouble. But, like, here's a planet that's, like, perfect for you. Stay on it or else, essentially, is, is is what Thor does for them. There's this there's this sort of political stalemate Wait, dealing so with Thor one of can the create plant life. So apparently Gaia is his mother, which is oh, which okay. is in Norse mythology. Okay. Um, but when did they establish that in the in the Marvel universe? You know, so they've <laughs> they've they've talked about it before. I think okay. even as even as far back as like the Lee Kirby stuff. Right. Oh, okay. It's but, just, it's one of those things where they use only if it's gonna push well, the sure, story. Sure. But. The last issue, like issue six of Empire, Thor uses his like Gaia powers to like help win the battle, and I had never seen him use that before. Right, and they talk and they talk in this issue in this Fantastic Four aftermath or uh, Fallout thing, 
they're like he's like oh i went on this side mission to go get the gaia powers and i was like i was reading pretty much every tie-in to this and i don't remember that so All i don't right. know if they if there's like an ish no there wasn't a, so. there wasn't a thor tie-in to there this. are a few books on the list of empire crossovers that never happened that never like came the, out the wakanda uh, one never happened i wonder if that's possible. i wonder if that's if that's why maybe and editorial is just like this is already printed thing. we're just gonna <laughs> eh, it's like, and that's that's got to be a, a because that's aftermath a, of covid right and that's yes. a big in the issue six that's a big two played two page splash thing where thor is using his his like gaia plant powers that he has now to help to make to like do a big thing that helps them win, and wait, you just spoiled it. They win. Yeah, what? Tur- turns oh, out, gosh. guys. The turns heroes. out, spoilers, <laughs> guys. Guys, turns out the Avengers. All the heroes win. didn't die. Um, <laughs> so weird. So I, I do want to point out for for me there were two there were two bright spots in this book, um, and it was when so there's these two kids that they saved. Uh, they were in the pit, fighting each other, like re redoing the. Uh, yeah. scroll Cree war they're sort of like the living embodiment of the histories of their people right and so they would people would bet on them and they'd watch these two kids fight like to the death every time over oh, and over okay. and That's then and they so would bring them back to life civilized and, yeah right. really uncivilized ones but they're doing and so the Fantastic Four saved them and they, they got them out of there and what ended up happening the, the person who owned them was like oh I'm taking them back and the you know the emperor's like, well, I, I can do something about that because they're under I'm I'm the emperor. Is this Hulkling still? Yeah. Hulkling, yeah. Hulkling and these are the... these are spoilers, but these aren't spoilers to the main plot. So just be aware. We're we're it's a review show, guys. Just relax. It's gonna be okay. Relax up to it. So he he essentially says, I don't care what you say. They're still free, and they're gonna go. And he's kind of gesturing towards um, Richard Reed Richards and Sue Storm, kind of alluding to like oh you get to watch over him and they're like oh cool that'll be a lot of fun and he's like no 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 no. i don't mean you i'm talking about ben and alicia and so they get to adopt the kids oh really yeah Yeah. and oh that's pretty cool like for me i was like ben grimm yeah i was like that is super super sweet that's like classic dance lot he does a thing where he's like Oh hey, um, I'm just gonna solve this problem by saying this thing, and but most of the time it's kind of a heartwarming thing, so you don't really mind. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, well, like, well that's that was rushed and weird, but all right. Like, that was rushed and weird and a little super convenient, but right. I mean, cool. I'm, a, I'm a big softy, so for stuff like that, I'm always I'm always on board. Yeah, and I'm, honestly, like I'm with you on that. Um, and then the second, that's a cool wrinkle for Ben Grimm. I wonder if your bright yeah. spot's gonna be what I was about to mention. I think, yeah. yeah. So if you want to hit it, man, because this is your book. So basically throughout this issue. And this is going to be a big spoiler, oh, right? Oh, man. Yeah, this is going to be right. a pretty big spoiler. So spoiler alert. If you want to read this, please read ears, it. Get some popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Pause this. Go read the issue. Come back and then hit play, hit play again. So throughout this issue, the Unseen, who is Nick Fury, but with the powers of Uatu because of another Marvel event that happened a few years ago. Uatu is the Watcher. If you're yeah, Uatu is the Watcher. Yeah, that big bald guy who shows up to to witness important events. <laughs> he can't. He can't ever get involved, but yet except he except does for when he always time. does. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Stan Lee was the Watcher in the MCU. Yeah, yeah that's why he was, he was in right. every movie. Right. Initially, that wasn't the thing, and then fandom created like that. willed yeah. into yeah. existence. Yeah. Um, 
so back in this other in the original sin event, Nick the original Nick Fury murders Uatu with a crazy space bullet and steals his powers. <laughs> That's Marvel. Space bullet. Okay. Yeah. And on the last page of this, so so basically, because this this um the wrap up of this war is is like a big event in the Marvel universe, the Watcher in this case the un- Nick Fury as the unseen has to be there to witness it, and so he's sort of providing a like an ongoing monologue during the issue, and then at the end on the last page, Uatu himself the watcher himself bursts forth from from nick fury's eye and for some reason he's back to life and he's missing an eyeball it looks kind of gruesome mm-hmm. right and uh and, and again then, the art is is great so so don't get me wrong i like that and then he's so nick fury's like wait you're back how is this even possible say something and then Uatu just says there shall be a reckoning the beginning of the end, which honestly is the is the bright spot of this bright spot of this because I'm like, what this the last issue? I need to know what happens next. That's what I. I well, there is another issue still. There's one more Empire book that hasn't come out. Which one? Oh yeah, uh, I forget the title mm-hmm. of it, but I might be getting mixed up. Though. I'm pretty sure that won't be resolved in that. I'm pr- I think this. It is says next is Fantastic Four twenty four. Yeah, so that's the next part of the story. I think that's just the next thing since this is technically the Fantastic right, Four's right, right, like right. point of view on this. It's just saying, like, hey, read Fantastic Four next. You know, I could but be I'm, mixing it up with uh, stupid Dark Knights. Oh, gotcha. But I'm, I'm, then, I'm with the, you 100%, Jason. Like, I even wrote that down. I was like, the end was great. Where do I follow that story? Yeah, it's it going to be is, in... And I'm, I, honestly, we probably won't see the next part of that until next summer's event. And that's the guess. hook to yeah. get you yeah. sticking around. And we'll see, We'll see. you know, okay. we'll probably see hooks here and there mm-hmm. in the Fantastic probably the Fantastic Four and Avengers books over the next year, but I would be willing to guess that that's going to be picked up again in, yeah. like next year. And it'll be cool to see the Watcher back with one eye. Eye patch. <laughs> eye patch. Yeah. Just like Nick Fury? And or if patch? this If this is, if, if the Green. Watcher is back, nice. does that mean we get old school Nick Fury back? Because I'd be kind of cool with that. Which one's old school Nick Fury? Too? White Nick Fury. White Nick yeah, Fury. White well, Nick Fury. Yeah, he's the oldest. So like you gotcha. know silver silver hair mean, on the side. I just mean from patch. context of you know because some people are like I want the old school one back because they were reading when Samuel L. Jackson was you know what I mean so old school is well kind the of relative. that's from the like like the Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury right. was from the Ultimate Comics that was right, from exactly. the Ultimate Comics universe and that's fun fact um, they asked him if they could use his likeness mm-hmm. as Nick Fury in those comics and he was like yeah okay. But uh, if you guys ever do a mo- make a movie with Nick Fury, I have to. I get to play him. That was right. literally the contract he signed with the, to give them his his like his like his. That was likeness. smart of him. Oh yeah, yeah. that was didn't very. He, he's a smart dude. Didn't he yeah. come into the shop when he was doing Avengers here? Yeah, yeah. He signed the ceiling right there, and not yeah. only did he sign the ceiling, he drew himself with his eye patch on the wrong side. <laughs> but you know, I mean, you I mean, you know, he's not an artist; he's an actor. What I are mean, you gonna do? He's not. A, that kind of artist, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy. Because acting is an art, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, he came in, he was super nice, he signed the ceiling, he was Samuel L. Jackson, just as you would expect him. Yeah. So, it, all in all, I think Empire was just sort of a so-so event. Um, <laughs> yeah, the really. I Thumbs think, down. I mean, there, the was, way, huh? there was bright spots on the kind of the most interesting 
aspect of it was like when it ends and what that means. That that was the most interesting thing to me was was the watcher coming back. I was like, that is all right. I'm on this. Yeah, that's check way that cool. Out now, sure. let me ask you this, Chad. Um, since you're the only other one who read this, does this have you been reading the Dan Slot Fantastic Four stuff? No, I tried to start it. I don't think I like Dan Slot. Okay, um, he wrote Spider Man for a super long time. Yeah, he did right. Spider Man for a and, while. It was a good run, and I really liked his Spider Man stuff. And I think he's, I think he's the right guy for the Fantastic Four. I agree. Okay. Um, his I, quirky kind of tongue in cheek style, yeah. like and humor. I think I, it was. The... I grew pretty tired of his his Iron Man run though. Like I I I bailed because I thought it was a little samey, a little bit too close to what he did with Spider Man. Right, mm-hmm. he he likes he. It, I don't know how old he is or whatever, but it feels like he's, he's an older, old man he's trying older than you to. Think he is. He's trying to talk like the kids, <laughs> like he's got There's this, a little bit the of hashtag that. stuff. Well, but that's in, a problem in superhero comics anyway. Right, in this issue specifically, though, like one of the things he has Spider Man saying is, is he's like, "Bye, Karen." And oh, I was like, so he's calling calling out somebody by using a right a social a, derogatory a, term, a slur. So, if you will, if I remember correctly, he actually has I wrote I a member of the Young Avengers say that. <laughs> What's that? I think he actually has a member of the Young Avengers say that. I thought that was Spider Man, wasn't it? Like Spider Man, I don't know. Well, here's the thing about vernacular when it comes to by the time we as adults latch onto something, it's kids God. already threw it away. You oh know? yeah, yeah. It's 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 old old news. Right, right. So right. calling people Karens and sane hashtag things like that stuff's already starting to phase out with the that ship has sailed. Basically, I mean, how often do you dab nowadays? Never. I uh, didn't do it back then either. <laughs> but well, it was a big thing <laughs> two years ago. It was. Right. I'll tell yeah. you what. And the kid, they, the kids that do this thing, flossing. Flossing, flossing is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a dance. My well, that's disgusting. Um, well, I mean. <laughs> But Flossing I, is disgusting. No, I mean just like Hulkling, when you when Hulkling you says it. <laughs> oh, Hulkling does yeah. say it. But That's here's when he's tearing up the contract. To your point, yeah. though, I mean, Hulkling probably wouldn't say this based on his age. Group. Right, Hulkling's probably. Been, eh, well. I think they kind of try to keep the Young Avengers characters as sort of a perennial. But if you have late him, teens, early twenties, of course. Kinda, if the, you have him in this the YA book. If you have him in this context as a as royalty, and that's what he keeps trying to present himself as, that doesn't it just doesn't track for me. I don't know if you want to spoil this or not, and don't if if you shouldn't. But is Hulkling still in charge of both races, and are both races still together? I mean, yes, is that war the, over officially? Yeah, this this presents yeah. that as like this is a new age for the cosmic side of the Marvel universe. Um, the Kree and the Skrulls are, the, are on the same side. We need to talk about this more because I feel like my questions are super spoiler at this rate. They, yeah, they are. But we can move on to your book if you'd like. Yeah, let's do that. Let's um, do that. Let's, let's finish, let's, though. So if if there were another issue of this... I would read it. Um, just because you're so invested. I'm inve- Yeah, I'm definitely invested at this point. But also, I make a point. <laughs> I make a point to read all the Marvel events because... For me, it, what really got me into like reading superhero comics regularly was Civil War. So a Marvel event sort of brought me in to as sort of like a regular comic reader. Right. So they kind of have a special place in my heart. I I read every one because I want I want I'm always chasing that dragon. I want every, <laughs> I want everyone to feel as like to make me feel like Civil War made me feel like Civil nice. War two didn't. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Civil War two didn't didn't. Cool. Uh, 
It's like, so we're just, um, so just, I mean, we're it, just doing this again, huh? Okay. It feels like, um, at the end of a, a big thing like this, instead of saying, oh, we read the next one, we could give like a, a synopsis of, ah, uh, you know what? I think that the, that the large crossover was successful or wasn't, you know? Okay. I, because we can't really say, yeah, we're going to read the next one. Right, right, right. Well, in that case, I don't think that this is a successful crossover. Um, I thought it was average at best. I, I, th- it, the, it felt like too many of the major plot points were happening in other books. Mm-hmm. The main empire, like the, series, the, bulk of the, the, the meat of the sandwich, the yeah, six issues was like it felt like nothing was happening for for three, four. Like I said, that four, three, issue four issues build up and then two issue letdown. Yeah, um, it just I don't think it was successful. Um, the like I said, the most interesting part of it is what it means for the Marvel universe going forward, which means I'm looking. I'm looking more forward, more to the next thing than one hundred percent. My my uh, excitement for what's coming next far outweighs how much I enjoyed this event. It may be a non purpose, though. You know, I mean, that's definitely the way to write a book or make a show is you you keep them panning for more. You, yeah, you need more. So I mean, I'm a sucker for this stuff anyway. So I'm I'm like I'm definitely gonna check out the next events. I'll be buying every issue and reading most of the tie-ins and. The, all that jazz. the initial buildup was what really threw me out, and I read all six of the, the the main one, and then I only read a few side stories. And I didn't read these because I was good. Um, but what I didn't like was what we already talked about. Why wouldn't you? So first off, why wouldn't Hulkling contact anybody and say, "Hey guys, this is happening. You need to be aware of it." Okay, that's the biggest issue, and it's the most obvious. Just uh, we want to make the story. You know, but everybody's phone's dead, so nobody can call anybody. Well, like, okay, whatever. But part of that isn't that part of the, the twist in this story? Well, though? yes and no. Um, you're right. It's, 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 I don't know. It's hard to hard to say on that one. But but wouldn't you, as, as an Avenger, you know, these guys are the smartest guys in the world, and some of them are the smartest guys in the universe. Wouldn't you use your best judgment to... Do all your homework, <laughs> right? You know, like yeah. uh, maybe we should check on the Kotadi and see what they're up to, as opposed to just assume that what they say is truth. Yeah, and that—that that was what right away I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this because it's too convenient. It's just like, oh, okay, you know, we made the wrong decision, and then, and then that wrong decision is kind of washed away within one issue. Yeah, did, did they really address it again? Like. I know that, that throughout Iron Man's so, kind of mad that he was responsible for the death yeah, of a lot of people. Like, oh. like Tony Stark just kind of wallows in his guilt for most of it. Right, right, right. And Reed Richards had to be to like, me. has to be like, listen, man, you made a mistake. Fine. But we got to keep the sun from blowing <laughs> So did the rest so, of the Avengers, you know? Yeah. Get over it. Come on, man. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, was, then, that was my biggest problem. With and this. then Tony Stark kind of goes from like, Oh, it's um. This is all my fault. I feel so bad about myself. But also, while I was moping, I built Reed Richards an Iron Man suit. <laughs> right, totally, totally. Well, that's what he does to 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 wallow. That's what they say. Yeah. Like that's even pointed out in the book. He's, okay. They're like, "What have you been doing?" Like, "Leave me alone." This is kind of how I sulk. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, I build mm-hmm. suits. That's what it's I like. Do. I screw up and then I sulk and then I build a suit and then I win. Right. Like and yeah. oh, fine. Right. Uh-huh. And fine, but do we need to have that conversation over four issues of a six-issue mini? No, there, was, no, we there was a little scene in every single one where, where Tony Stark was crying. And Tony's yeah. on, dude. Tony's back to not drinking, though, right? Well, Tony's yeah. back to being dead. 
Tony Stark technically is dead and his essence yeah, is yeah, in yeah, a yeah, robot a, that's thing, a, and that's a whole different That's a whole other so, box. So, uh, Iron Man 2020. Yeah. Web of Venom, Wrath is what <laughs> yeah, you yeah. will. <laughs> is it Wrath? Uh, I thought it was Wraith. Excuse me, it's Wraith. Wraith, sorry. I was looking at an angle. I don't know. Gosh, do you even read comics? Uh, what? I where, look at the pictures. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, great pictures, by the way. Great. Okay. So, yeah. So, Web of Venom. Uh, most people know who Venom is. You know, he's the he's the offspring. I'm holding up my fingers in quotation marks of Spider-Man. And then eventually that offspring has offsprings called Carnage and then Scream and and a whole bunch Toxin of other... And, right. Yeah. A bunch, a bunch, a bunch. And, you know, this was the, the big... This was a big Spider-Man crossover that was too much, clone conspiracy, um, where even in the 90s when I was younger, I skipped a lot of his stuff because I liked Venom well enough, but it's because he had depth in his story, and Eddie Brock wasn't a perfect perfect uh, character, but he wasn't all evil. And so, you know, you get this Venom character, and he bites off people's heads and whatnot, and he's a bad guy, for sure. And then all of a sudden, Venom's kind of a good guy, because he's he having reservations. Exactly. Exactly. Like Gamora. Like, why is she a good person? She was... I mean, that, I get it. But anyways, I digress on that. <laughs> as soon as I saw Carnage, I was like, I'm out redemption. on this. I'm sure. a, I'm a sucker for a redeemed villain. I'm always going to like that story. Just don't make him a hero. Yeah, I agree with that. Depends on the character, but yeah. I mean, just like the Punisher. You know he's doing the wrong thing a lot of times. Yeah. He's just buck wild killing people. He you know? is. He's Wolverine does the same hero. thing, and he's my favorite guy. Uh, typically, Wolverine has a little more substance to his reasoning, and it's like, it's like, it's them or me. Right. You know, Punisher doesn't care. He's like, I'm just going to kill these guys. I don't know. I like, I like how that's Wolverine's justification. It's yeah. them or me. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I regenerate, and even from just a drop of blood, I'll be okay and come back to life, but <laughs> right. it's me or them. Right, right. <laughs> like... Man, there's a Civil War storyline where Wolverine is completely incinerated by Nuke. Completely incinerated. Yep. There's nothing left. And he just wills himself to come back to life because he's like... Yeah, his skeleton's still there. Right, right. Yeah. Adamantium. And then, I mean, maybe the marrow is within the bones and that could be the explanation. There's DNA in your bone marrow. Right, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's Did the only way... you think you would get this deep into the comics? Oh, no, I'm like just trying to... Keep... I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> right. Like... Well, like, that's we the apologize, thing about... you know. No, yeah. no, don't apologize. I'm... It's, it's, that's the amazing thing about comic books and that's why I love like podcasting and talking about it is because it does it goes just like you start talking about one thing and it just right and it's yeah. it's a bunch of knowledge especially when you you're around with a bunch of nerds like especially us who've been reading all life right. characters that have been around for you know 50 60 years and they have a lot of history yeah, yeah. so needless yeah. to say once carnage came around i was kind of out of it i was like ah this guy is just there's no depth to this character he's literally an insane person I and mean, he's a he's a serial killer and he yeah. got, you know, he got the keys to the Ferrari, and yeah. which is a symbiote. And at the time, we didn't really know what a symbiote was completely. And they've really elaborated on what's, you know, the Clintar and, and all this stuff now. It's it's a big deal. And Null, which is now the god of the symbiote Clintar, I'm also kind of like, oh, man. And then Marvel's hitting this over the head with it. It's, right. it's, it's turning into DC's Batman Who Laughs, where... He's in everything, and we, we're going to have to, like, the big Marvel crossover, um, the Black Winter is coming, which is, I like, think, the next crossover. I think this is, le- I think the deal with Null and Marvel is less egregious than the Batman. <laughs> a little bit, movie. but I feel that it, they're doing like the same year, thing. Like, last year at DC, the Batman Who Laughs was in freaking everything. 
I will say this about DC, though. Usually their crossovers, I mean, unless it's Crisis or whatever, you know, it, it stays kind of localized to the book that it's involved with. Yeah. Um, this whole metal thing completely through the whole universe, including the Sandman universe, for a loop. And that's pretty rare. But the individual characters' ongoing series get to stay separate and do their own thing. And that's what I appreciate about how DC approaches events, is it tends to stay mostly... Like, if it goes anywhere, it'll go to, like, the Justice League book or right. something. Which well, kind of makes sense, because that's where the characters are all together anyway, so... The first time I noticed this kind of thing was um, X-Men Inferno, which is uh, early 200, Uncanny X-Men. Um, Chris Claremont's still stuff. I think it's the near the end of Chris Claremont's run. And anybody who was in New York, any superhero that's involved in New York, was involved in the storyline, because it happened in New York, where basically the the gates to hell opened up in the middle of Central Park and all these demons were just coming out and taking over New York. And it was mainly an X-Men story because Madeline Pryor, who was a clone of Jean Grey, etc., etc., eventually has a kid, it's Nate Grey, all this stuff. Remember <laughs> history. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, it's crazy. Like, the Marvel Universe gets complicated and com- complex and then the X-Men by themselves oh, are yeah, complicated and complex. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there was all these different heroes involved, Punisher, Spider-Man, etc., etc., and so I thought that was really cool, but I remember that was, you know, late 80s or mid 80s. Okay. And I thought it was really cool that they did that kind of thing. And then they did a thing called Acts of Vengeance, where that, like, Mandarin was fighting Wolverine, because Mandarin is an Iron Man villain. Oh, I agree with that. And, and, and Wolverine's never fought this guy, so Mandarin wipes the floor with the X Men because cause they don't know how to fight him, you know? And that's what the Acts of Vengeance story was, and that was really cool. Um, so they've been doing this. This book, however, um, I think it's just it's it's literally a stepping stone to the Black Winter storyline that's coming up. So the the Venom event that's coming up is called the King in Black. Oh, is that what it's like called? That, yeah. yeah, that's okay. the thing. It's like Null is come, like God is coming. Null's gonna come to Earth with all his. Null is something dragons. that was created less than two years ago, basically. In yeah. The, to us, and it, it's a really big deal that we've never seen before. Is this a one shot? This is a one shot. This is but, a one shot. But it isn't. So the Web of Venom books is an ongoing thing. There's been a Web of Venom, um, okay. Good Son, which was about Dylan. Dylan Brock. Eddie, uh, Eddie's, Eddie's, Eddie's son. Son. Yeah. Um, there was a Web of Venom Carnage. There was a Web of Venom Venom. Um, there's going to be another Web of Venom after this, which is Null. Okay. They're all one-shots, but they all are pertinent to the storyline that's going to happen within It's a bunch of one-shots that all have the same branding. Gotcha. So that, like... You so can look, you can see story. this and like okay this is part of the it's got this it's got web of venom on the cover and it's written by the same guy who's writing venom gotcha. that's part of the like venom story basically. so let's talk about the guy who's writing venom right Donny Cates yeah um you mean Marvel's I mean, like new rising superstar dude when you think of good writers and and I always think you know I go back to Chris Claremont or I go to Stan Lee and and you think about the classics but then you can also start talking about Tom King. Walt Simonson, this guy, Donny Cates, has only been writing for seven years. I mean, his first book came out yeah. in 2013. So so for him to be considered one of the greats already is outstanding. And I consider him one of the greats. Everything he writes is phenomenal. I mean, I, I can't really think of anything. This is probably the least good of... That's not good English either, but... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my least favorite Donny Cates story I've, I've read, Okay, basically. Tell, well, tell us and it's it. not bad. It's just... The guy is a monster. Yeah, he's, he's on great. fire, and he's just killing everything he does. He right. did um, 
what was that one that he did where uh, the Cosmic Ghost Rider? Yeah. That, yeah. You know, it started to feel like Deadpool, but when he first started doing it, it was awesome because Cosmic Ghost Rider is well, Frank Castle. That's right? a yeah. So that's a so he only wrote so he first showed up in that Thanos Thanos run that right, Gates right. did, and then he wrote that first mini. Yeah, and then everything after that's been. Other and that's when it wasn't good. When yeah. he was writing it, it was really good. As soon as Kate's like Kate's book was done, both the Thanos one and Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Then they got into this one. Uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider kills the Marvel like, Universe. Yeah, something like and that. And it's, it's a cool concept. Sure. Basically, he's stuck in the past because of what happens with Donny Cates' storyline. And <laughs> he he's trying to kill baby Thanos so that Thanos won't do what Thanos does. And uh, it doesn't work out because he can't kill a baby. So he decides to try and raise baby Thanos, mm. which actually ends up being real bad because it makes Thanos even worse to the point where he's wearing a Punisher skull and he's like just <laughs> murdering people, murking them with guns and stuff. And <laughs> it's it's super fun, you know. Donny Cates knocks it out of the park every time. Um, you know, some of the other things. And he's 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 like the superstar writer at Marvel right now. Right. Everything he writes like sells in the two hundred. He's got 000. the Midas touch, man. And, yeah. and it's not just because he's writing the books that are popular. It's because he's writing good shit. Yeah. Like, it's really good stuff. It's always readable. It's always fun. Even this book, it, it's not my favorite comic ever, but there's a lot of good parts in it. And I really, I wasn't put off or turned off by anything in the book. It's just one of those books where I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is it. So he's doing a thing with Marvel that I feel like we were talking about with Jeff Johns doing at DC yeah. before where he... He adds to the myth, to the mythos of a character or a part of the Marvel universe mm-hmm. in a way that f- that feels like it's honoring what came before, but also adds to the mythos in a way that feels like it has staying power. Right, and it's like, natural. It feels like oh, like this does make sense. Jeff Johns added new colors of lanterns to the Green Lantern mythos, and they're still around. Like you know, what are we, we're all almost twenty years later? Didn't we just get a new color? Yeah, they yellow? keep yeah. Well, Which yellow is, was the. I mean, yellow was what Sinestro always used. Right, right, right. Because yellow is what the Green Lanterns can't really fight. Yeah. Um, the green doesn't work on yellow because okay. it's the base color. Not anymore. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's 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 way that's I've, old school. I've but, never been into Green Lantern myself. So. But um, but my point is that <laughs> Donny Cates is adding stuff to the Venom, like the symbiote mythos, that feels like it has staying power. Mm-hmm. And you know, and speculate, we'll speculators see, love so him for that Null. reason. <laughs> speculators <He's> dull. <laughs> Null is dull. Well, I think we'll get we'll get that King in Black event, and I think that's that'll probably be. Where am I getting Black Winter? Oh, that was in the Black Thor the Black Winter is the, six, yeah, in the, the Thor book. Thor, yeah. yeah, okay. And he swears up and down that the Black Winter has nothing to do with Null. Donny we'll Cates see. does. Yeah, we'll see. Donny so, Cates <laughs> used to be a comic book retailer. He used to run shops in Texas. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good for yeah. him. So, um, Gia Villanova, uh, guy wrote for Dark Horse, or drew for Dark Horse. He's the, the artist for this book. Um, I will say he did the Slayer comic book, which okay. I was super excited to hear about, because Slayer! <laughs> Anyways, uh, he did Absolute Carnage, Hulk Vereens, and if any of you haven't read Hulk Vereens, it, it's it's not the best book. But it's exactly what if, you expect it to be. If you like Wolverine and you like the Hulk, it's awesome because there's a there's a guy named Weapon H who is the DNA of Wolverine and the Hulk and has the Amantium 
lace skeleton that somehow grows when he grows into the Hulk. Don't ask me to explain it because <laughs> I don't know. But the Hulk Wolverine books, basically, um, Bruce Banner and Wolverine have been dead for about five years, and Weapon H kind of filled that hole. Well, when they both come back to life, they realize that this guy's kind of stealing their thunder, so they go to tell him to knock it off, which is the dumbest thing ever because guess what? He could beat the crap out of both you guys. Like, kind of. I mean... I don't know. It's a fun book. But anyways, that guy drew it. Um, <laughs> Wraith is a 10-year-old character that started in the, uh, what is it called? The um, Annihilation Conquest. And it was old book. Uh, they just recently did another Annihilation. And it's kind of a big space crossover with it was uh, Nihilus. In that, and it was in that Abnett and Lanning era of like Marvel cosmic stuff. Right, right. Where they, they those guys basically created the version of the Guardians of the Galaxy that ended up in the movies. Right. This It's all sort of part of that same era where they were in charge of that part of the Marvel Universe. Okay. No, no, I will say that the space part of Marvel Universe is the part that I've just never really been into, you know? Um, and that's why Empire didn't resonate great with me. Even though I think space is cool and all this stuff, I just didn't grow up reading space is cool. that stuff. Space is <laughs> spacey. Uh, so, so you know, when Empire did this this whole big space crossover, I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to read it, but it's not what I'm really into. The, the same thing goes with that Annihilation stuff where I was just, ah, okay, it's space, it's Fantastic Four, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, it's it's those characters that I don't follow necessarily. And it's uh, also, that was like right in the middle of the era where you weren't reading. Yeah, right? I wasn't reading yeah. much comic books. I, I read Civil War, I read Planet Hulk, I read Old Man Logan, and then a few books in there, but I was... Uh, taking a break and kind of on a hiatus for reading comic books for like a decade almost. So I've done a lot of catching up and there's a lot of stuff that I just don't know. That's why Jason's perfect to have here because he was really into <laughs> yeah. that stuff. He was speaking. That's he like, can pick up my slack on that yeah, situation. That's like the era I was I was getting into comics was during that chunk. So so apparently Wraith uh, was possessed or got exposed to something called Exelon, which at the time had nothing to do with Null and the symbiotes. But now they've kind of rolled it into that, where it's like, okay, these are these creatures are part of this whole thing. And in this book, they kind of explain all that. Um, what I like about this comic book is it's like a Western. You know, in the first, even though it looks like it's in space, he's got his hand, figure on the trigger, about to draw the gun. You know, he's a gunslinger, and they even the next page is like a splash page he's where he's very got, much got the sort of Clint Eastwood. It's it's full blown good, bad, and ugly. I mean, he's got yeah. a, a steel piece under his his uh, sapato. No, those are shoes. Um, poncho, poncho, yeah, yeah, uh, sapatos. I thought that word was going to be something else, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, it wasn't okay. Um, yeah, that's very very western. Right, right. I he's like he's got his hand on the gun. And, and it reads as a kind of a Western, and that's what I liked about the book. Um, Westerns in space. People love it. Now, yeah. now some <laughs> Star Wars? Firefly? Firefly yeah. uh, anyways, I like the beginning of this book, especially because it, it has a soft open where there's these guys who are obviously bullying someone, and right as they're about to really get bully-like or murderous, Ray shows up and is like, think again, suckers, and he takes care of the business. In a really cool page turn. Like, that's a really cool... Yeah, it's good. The single-page splash. Yep. I'm a fan of that stuff as long as it's done well. Right. Um, there's not a ton about this book that I can say without kind of giving away. It, it's basically him running around, being this guy. He has special powers where he can... He's got accelerated speed and strength. He's searching for something. He... 
without giving the stuff away, he, he kind of finds what he's looking for, but he doesn't remember why. And so he has to stab himself. And he says memories are, are the key to pain, and pain's the key to memories. And so he, he, he refreshes his memory of what's going on by stabbing himself. And then somehow it, it, it gets involved where he starts seeing memories or something with Eddie Brock. And so all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's he and Eddie Brock have this connection. And it's mostly just because of the symbiote, is my mm-hmm. guess, right? Yeah. Is and the, then... Is that the connection? Like, the symbiote brings pain, and that's how they have... Well, I, I think uh, it has more to do with the fact that whatever overarching destiny, like, like they're sort of connected by their involvement in that in this sort of cosmic event. Okay. If you read Absolute Carnage, you would know that there's a thing called the Codex. And the Codex is when a symbiote attaches to somebody, the way they communicate is through DNA. Okay. And so even if you get the symbiote suit off of you, you still have the Codex within you. And the whole Absolute Carnage thing was where car- zombie carnage, for lack of a better term, is trying to either get rid of or unite all of the people who have had the Codex well, to release Null and so it, the coming of Null. He needed, okay. he needed enough Codexes to, or Codices? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. To, Codices. Codexes? To, uh, Codexes. To release Null from his prison. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is that there was this Silver Surfer Black story that was going on at the same time as that. It and also had Null in it. Yeah. And also had Null in it. And he released Null because he was like, I'm going to get you out of there, whatever you are. And then, of course, they were like, no, you're doing the wrong thing, dude. And then that Silver Surfer Black story is great. But it confused me because I was like, wait, he's already released. So what is Absolute Carnage doing? But it turns out it's it's in the past and because Silver went into the past, the beginning of our time where Galactus was born. And that's a whole other whole story. So he stabbed himself to get to memories. Right. <laughs> oh, I was getting back to you. You don't have to do that. <laughs> so, so he's trying to get rid of... He's been... Null feeds off his soul. He is immortal in exchange. But it turns out it's a curse, just like anything. You know, haha, I'll give you, you know... Here's a box, and you can make any wish, but somebody dies when you make a wish. Classic. And then they take the box, and then now we're going to give it to somebody you don't know. Right. It's it's the same kind of story. It's the monkey's paw trope, essentially. (laughs) Right. Indeed. So he, he realizes this is a cool page with all these Venom flying heads. And then you have the sloppy art down here, just right below it, where, I mean, where have I seen that face before? Oh, I drew it when I was 12. <laughs> you, could, you could call those flying heads. Yeah, they're flying Venom heads of sorts. Um, so Null else. shows up in this book. That's, that's a spoiler, guys. Null shows up. Why does Null have a spider on his chest? We talked about this this morning, and I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you this morning. Because it looks cool, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) Spider-Man is the the reason that Venom had the spider on his chest. Noah's been around for millennia. My guess is is that when they were designing Noah, they were probably told that he needed to have some sort of visual cue that connected him with Venom in some way. But that's as I was going to say, isn't that what's happening to him right here? But, but this is before. This is he's had this long before this happened. This is the past. No, no. He Noel has had that spider thing on his chest before this comic came out. Oh, okay. Because he's like a this is he's present. like an elder god of the universe, and like right. he's existed since he's the one universe. of the oldest gods. Like, oh, okay. That we've never heard of until two years ago. Yeah, there you go. But you gotta you gotta add more to stuff. Yeah, it, you know it's it is what it is. So needless to say, some things happen. Um, 
where Noel and him have a conversation, and he kind of tries to get out of it, and he, he's pretty much pissed at Noel, like, hey, you know, we made this deal. You didn't tell me that there was bad things going on in in the meantime. And then he sees, he gets the, the symbiote ripped off of him, and oh. then he seemingly dies? Yeah, like Noel says, well, okay, uh, so you see this is a curse, so let me relieve you of this curse, and he tears the symbiote off of him, and just, like, leaves him floating in space. And then okay. he starts to trip out because you're floating in space. Please and then there's a really, 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 really cool splash page of him in space with this bright light. Okay. It reminds me of, you ever see the Rush, is it 2112 cover where the guy's like standing there holding his hand up towards the light? Yeah, bro. This reminds me of <laughs> Prog Rock. Shut up. <laughs> this reminds me of a Prog Rock um, album cover. Oh, yeah, definitely. Where yeah, you're like, sure. I am... I like that a lot. in this rock and roll <laughs> cool. music and it's it's enlightened me. Like that album has like 12 different time signatures on it, you know. Right, I mean? right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a tool album is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Needless to say, he 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 says, "Oh man, I've got to get a hold of Eddie." And Eddie had already been communicating with him. And then in in this process, he he gets to where Eddie is and he's like, "Who are you and how did you even get here?" And he's like, "That's not important." And then he he springs it on him. And then that's the end of the book. Okay. I also, I really like the way this artist draws Venom. Kind of. It just sort of like, he just sort of yeah. uses him as negative space. I've, I've always thought, like a, for like a jet black character. Yeah, like you, you kind of have to when, yeah, you, when you're dealing with an all black character, you know, using just that muscle tone. To yeah. Get you, you add highlights to, to, to sort of show muscle tone. and the, But then he just sort of looks like this pit of darkness in the middle of the page. I've always thought, they're like when Venom looks like that. That's when he looks his best. Right. So, so to wrap this all up, um, this isn't the best review, but it's because I can't say all that much about the book. Right. Um, it is a stepping it is stone. A one shot. It's so a one it's... shot. It's a stepping stone. It's this character Wraith that we haven't seen much of. Um, who knows if we'll see much of him after this? You know, uh, it's a stepping stone to the Null thing, and this already happened with the the um, Ghost Rider storyline where there was a ghostwriter for it was pre-absolute carnage where there was an older ghostwriter character you know there's there's johnny blaze there's danny ketch and there was this other character and uh okay. they kind of threw her into the mix to go with the storyline just to get you prepared for absolute carnage and that's basically what this book does it's just a character you're not terribly familiar with that marvel was like yeah use him we haven't used him in a while and Donny Case was like, cool, I'm going to make this part of this storyline, and it's all going to lead up to the Null storyline. So, so knowing what I know about Donny Cates, Donny Cates has probably been itching to use this character since he started working for Marvel. Maybe. I, his, this is the sort of thing, he digs the, the, the cosmic Marvel stuff. Well, this definitely came out when he was cutting his teeth on just trying to get into the industry. Yeah. So, you know, this was, that character, if he had read that Annihilation Scourge storyline, he you know, it definitely could have resonated yeah. with him as somebody that he wants to use in the future. So this is a one shot. So there isn't a next a next issue to read. But do you think? Um, do you think you'll? Does this make you want to continue with this null storyline? Like, will you read future Venom stuff going forward? Um, having nothing to do with the comic book, no. Having to do with the comic book, yes. I thought the story was well written. It's Donny Cates. Like I said, it's not my favorite work that he's ever done, but I, I like I enjoyed it enough. The pacing was superb. I mean, you know, he doesn't have a problem with that. The way it was this space 
cowboy thing. I really like because I'm cool. into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, my favorite part was that light part. As soon as I got to the page, I was like, okay, cool. Because like, I was kind of starting to wear down, like, ah, oh, okay, the, I don't know uh, how I feel the, about the, this comic. The trippiest part of the whole book. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. Super cool, man. It's just yeah, done yeah, well. Yeah. The art's fantastic on that part. There's moments in this book where the art is sloppy. Okay. But maybe yeah. it's on purpose. I was going to say, with, with, like, a Venom, with those symbiotes, the it, it seems like that things gotta lends be to its story. Well, yeah, right. you know, if you look at the front cover, though, it almost looks like Bernie Wrightson style, super detailed, Kelly Jones kind of thing where you're like, okay, I can, you know, Liam Sharp, where just like the backgrounds yeah. have a ton of detail, and you're like, wow, it must have taken this guy like 80 hours Liam to draw this, <laughs> yeah. this front cover, you know, but but when you look at it closely, it's not just nonsensical, there's, there's detail and meaning to every little yeah. detail. Um, it happens in the book sometimes, sometimes the book's facial expressions kind of lackluster, but to wrap it up, it's a good comic, it's definitely readable if you're a fan of Venom, if you're excited for Null, if you know who this Wraith character is, you definitely need to read it. But If, if you've been enjoying where the Venom comics have been, this is a must-read for you, I, in my opinion. Yeah. Cool. All the Web of Venom stuff is kind of a must-read yeah. if you're into Venom. Are you into Venom? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the movie? I have, I have not seen the movie. That's okay. What you, do can, you, think? you can kind of skip it. it well, yeah. my issue with the movie is that where is Spider-Man? Mm. Yeah. Where is the guy that is the reason that you're, you've got spider powers? Sure. Also, like I don't know what direction they were giving Tom Hardy in that movie, but he it, it is so weird. He does he. He is so weird in that movie. That's what I and heard. I didn't. I, never, I didn't see it myself, but okay. I heard that I saw like, his the voice was super high pitched. Like it was just weird. Yeah, it, it's almost like he's got some kind of weird issue. Where first off, he's not a great character. He's kind of a douchebag of a person. Right. And they get through that, and and then and, you know he's he's an asshole in the comic book. Like you don't want him around in the comic book. In the movie, they give him a. Oh, he's he's quirky and weird. Well, and you have to make him a protagonist, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Make him likable to some degree. Exactly. That's one of the reasons I don't like it. This guy eats people. Like, <laughs> why is he a hero? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not There's a great it. line about Where that in that Web of Venom the book. Hell is Spider Man. <laughs> Anyways, cool. What you got for us? All right. Well, what so you got, Chad? I read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one oh nine. Chad read Turtles. Yeah, Chad that. read Turtles. <laughs> I like Turtles. <laughs> uh, story consulting is Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Script is Sophie Campbell. Art is Jody Misha Mima Miyama. <laughs> I'm very sorry, everyone, again. <laughs> um, so, the Turtles, we, we talked about uh, 107. Um, and there was that eel, like, collecting all the kids and hiding all the kids. Um, in Mutant Town? In Mutant Town. And uh, when we last watch out left... For eels, man. They're shady. I'm <laughs> telling you, they are shady. They get a bad rap, man. They taste really good. Oh, yeah. Nagiri? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like them. Uh, <laughs> it's a little sushi reference. Circling back around to the fish. Right, exactly. That's right. Back to the tentacles. Um, so Eels are tentacles? We had lost, um, what's her name? Jenica. Lita? Yeah, Jenica had lost that, that, that little girl turtle after Leonardo like yelled at her and she ran off. So they, you know, in 108, they find her, they find that eel, 
and Baxter's actually been watching everything through the Mousers, and April O'Neil's pissed off at him because she's like, what are you doing? You're spying on everybody. He's like, I'm not spying. I'm just, just watching, watching and keeping an eye on everything. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. Um, so that, that character's back. He hides back. his microphone and turns off all the bugs. <laughs> right, he's like, click. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the so one in her apartment. In the, <laughs> the beginning of this issue, a, uh, a reporter gets in a mutant town and it, it's, it's, you know, we're hitting on a lot of points that are, that are, kind of current right how the news is sometimes just like so blatantly weird you're like why would you even ask that question so she comes in she's she obviously snuck in as uh looks like michelangelo's cleaning up some graffiti and he's like oh did you sneak in here she's like yeah i snuck in here and like one of her first questions is about okay so question about mutant town are is your guys's mating thing the same and he's like, what are you talking about? Weird. Like, it's really weird. Well, I was a turtle first, and that's not really how it works or whatever. And then she looks at the, the girl, the little turtle, and she she's like, oh, is that your, what did she say? Is that your son? Hold on, I got to find it. It's important. Um, anyway, he's like, oh, no, and that's a girl. It's a she. And she's like, oh, okay, she, blah, 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 blah. So it's like. It's touching on kind of pronoun correction. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it's if if you mess up and somebody corrects you, it's really easy to just be like, okay, she, right, mm-hmm. right, just fix it, just fix it. You don't mm-hmm. have to be all weird about it. You know what I mean? So they start. She starts kind of pushing a little bit, makes the kid nervous. So the kid runs off, and Michelangelo is just kind of like, yeah, this interview is a little weird. I'm taking off too. Like we're not doing this. Um, and as the story goes on, it's, you know, everybody seems to be pretty copacetic at this point. They found all those kids that, that the, the girl had gone into high or got stolen by the eel. So they found all the kids, all, all of them, all of them are released. Um, so they go in to try and set up this school and this killer whale comes out and he's all pissed off, you know, and it's just kind of all these different, um, who's that? That's Mona Lisa. Um, Donatello is kind of getting, getting in with Mona Lisa. Like, so it's, a, it's, it's all these different turtles are kind of bra- branching off into all these different relationships, which is really interesting. Um, Jenica is with this, this pig girl. Um, and it's, what was it? Here it is. So they, they're, they're standing out front of this club and Jenica, she's the newest turtle, right? And it's it's interesting because she she has this weird uh like ptsd reaction there's they're standing outside of the club and this porcupine comes up who i guess was an asshole in previous issues to her um she's talking about starting a band because the pig girl that she likes is in a band and that's who she's there to see and watch so this porcupine starts walking up and he's going to talk to jenica and she like doesn't even want to hear what he has to say and like starts punching and kicking him him or her, I don't know. I don't know what the porcupine is. We didn't discuss it. Right, right. But um, <laughs> it, it. Uh, so them, <laughs> them. Ah, uh, so so the the porcupine is getting his ass kicked, and is like, all I was trying to tell you is before I got turned into a porcupine, I was a pretty sweet drummer, but you can go screw yourself. So like the porcupine takes off, and Jenica's the the bad guy in that situation, right, right, right. No, or for bad sure. person in that situation, and. Um, that's what's really interesting about this book 
the way the turtles are going, you know, remember when I was talking about 107, I was talking about how it seems like the turtles are less special because everyone in mutant town is a mutant. And so it's really weird, but I think they're capitalizing on just how those relationships are different. And as, as you kind of look in on it, that they're really not that different. It all boils down to just relationship and how you treat one another. And, and that's what I like about, about the turtles so much is especially currently is they are very relationship focused and they always have been, even when it was just them and, oh, and right. Splinter, like the brothers have always been very, very brotherly and very close. And so I think it's, I think it's great as far as all these different relationships that are going on and they're not all, I don't, I don't, I forgive me for if I use the wrong terms, but they're not all like cis binary, this, that, you know, there's two, two females. There's, you know, the little kid that, that, you know, is like, oh, no, that's a girl. Like, oh, okay, I didn't mm-hmm. know, because it just looks like a turtle. Like, I didn't know. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it myself. Um, the thing when Jenica, like, starts beating up that porcupine was, like, when, like, that's the thing about these books, though, is you have to, like, pay attention to really what's going on, right, and read between the lines. You know, so there are some comic books out there that are, like, cool, Superman's punching bad guys. I get it, because robbing a bank is bad, mm-hmm. right? But there's books like this that are a little more... Like, subtle? They're subtle, and it's it's not... Uh, there's a lot of people that go out and they complain about, like, oh, well, you can have relationships like that. Just don't, like, beat me over the head with it. Like, number one, whatever. Number two, this book specifically, I think, is doing that subtly. Right. And I, I think it's great, personally. So... So whenever there's a complaint about that kind of thing, we didn't have representation before right. for that. So that's why these things are happening. And that's why sometimes it feels unnatural because it's something that they need representation. This social group, whatever it might be, hasn't been properly represented before. And right. so now we're giving them the representation that they deserve. Exactly. And so you know that's why it sometimes feels uncomfortable. But it's, it's super necessary. Um, and sometimes I think a lot of people wouldn't even necessarily notice that it's unusual in this book specifically. Right. Because of, because of mutants themselves. Like, mm. because they're using kind of allegory there. I, I think that some people, it might even be missed, but it'll subconsciously get in there, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and that was another thing that is interesting about this book is because they don't even just end it there. They're, they're kind of touching on like PTSD reactions and stuff like that. So when, when Jenica beats up that, that porcupine, she gets down and she asks the, the, the little turtle Lita, I think her name is Lita. The book's right there. Um, but she gets down so and, far and she said, I'm like, Oh my God. But she gets down to her level and she goes, are you okay? And the kid is just sitting there staring at her. Cause she just saw her, fighting for no reason and Jenica hugs her so she's the one that she was trying to be like are you okay mm-hmm. so it's really interesting and, and and the art is what lends to that you can see the, the you can see Lita sitting there like this is not okay why is she doing that and when she when Jenica goes to ask her if she's okay the kid doesn't want a hug or anything Jenica needs one so, so it's, she it, forces herself upon her 
Well, <laughs> you know I mean, what I mean. Wow. You know what I mean. Not like that, That's but right, she, right. she's getting the, the comforting. You know what I mean? Right. Jenica's getting the comforting. Did you read the Jenica miniseries that came out? I did not. Was it any good? It, it's really good. Okay. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, her backstory a little bit, you know, she was this punk rock gutter kid. Right. And then she gets basically um, um, pulled into the Foot Clan. And so that's where, you know, her nature. And then, of course, she is almost going to die. And she gets a transfusion, I believe, from the turtles. And that's how she becomes the mutant that she is. Right. And I um, remember that in the in the main book. Right. That's when she yeah. got that blood transfer. Right. And the 90s. Wasn't, so that Not was... Not the 1990s, but number 90s. And that was one of the... So what happened was she was a human and transformed into a turtle because of the blood transfusion. Wasn't she with Casey Jones at the time? I don't recall that. And didn't he like turn his back on her because now she was a turtle and it was Which sounds out of character for Casey Jones. Well, and that well, was he's out of turtles all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right, but in a relationship like boyfriend girlfriend thing, he like it that was another one of those parts of stories that are, are really interesting to tell where somebody's like, Oh, I love you for who you are. Right. I'm, and now a turtle. I'm a turtle. Like, Oh, I don't know I if don't I know. can do this. There's something that happens in Jenica number one that says otherwise. Okay. That. And I'm, I didn't read it. And you're reading it. So yeah, you probably I, know more, but she runs into an ex-boyfriend and they kind of indicate that he was like the boyfriend she had right before she, she joined the foot clan or, or maybe it was during the foot clan. Okay. But he's another gutter punk, and he's kind of a dick. And so that's the story revolves around her seeing him and being upset about it, but then him being either a porcupine. Maybe that's that why I was asking if you read it. Maybe he was the porcupine? I don't know. I don't know. But he has, he has some thing where he's like, oh, yeah, well, we can we can change back. I know how to change back. And that was the, the, the plot line of that Jenica Solo story is she was chasing – being changed back into a human. Okay, I might have to. I might have to pick that up and trade then, because that would be a really interesting. I like read. that comic, and I just, you know I read it out of context with the turtle book that I'm not really reading, but I, I you know I read that whole story because I thought it was really good. I'll have to I'll have to look back and see if if that was the issue. I remember something with Casey Jones like being romantically involved with someone and them changing, mm-hmm. and then him growing distant. And then using the excuses of like, oh, I'm just busy. Are they even compatible? Well, I don't, I don't know. I didn't ask. Yeah, that's not, they haven't addressed that yet. <laughs> they haven't addressed it yet. That's in the DC Black series. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's uh, that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 109. So, so what did you think of the comic overall? Overall, I really liked this issue a lot. And remember I was talking in 107 where it was kind of dwindling for me a little bit. This one, the way that the relationships are starting to come forward and blossom and all separately for each of the turtles is really starting to, to grab me back in. Is the, f- the story focused on Mutant Town? Yeah, it's, okay. it's like 100% focused okay. on Mutant Town. Uh, issue 108 is when April was talking with Stockman. He's the mayor of New York now. Um, and so there's all sorts of different things to be drawn there. But okay. But this this issue specifically, I really did enjoy. Groovy. So, cool. Groovy. So, we all read uh, The Rise of Ultraman number one. I did. I read that. Yeah. What do you think? We all did. So, this is a first. Yes, number yeah, one. Yeah, it's a number issue. one. Okay. So, this, I, you know, we talked about kind of your 
nerd history or whatever, but <laughs> lack thereof. <laughs> right. Um, th- and this is going to come out weird. I've been trying to prep how to say this. Just it's going to come out however it comes out. Uh, I don't know how old you <laughs> wow. are, and so back when when I was younger, there was um, like I was into Japanese animation and all that sort of stuff. But then the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out, and right. I was into the old Godzilla movies that the really bad thing where they're kicking over the, sure. the stuff. guy in a suit a guy in a suit in and, a big model and this looks like when you look at the like this was a tv show apparently yeah 1966 like, to 1967 ultraman was out for one year okay that's and he was kind of the beginning of this style what is it called kyo um kyodai the, the kaiju the, no the kyodai hero Okay. And so everybody else, the like legendary writer and um, Godman, Iron King, they were all kind of the same genre, the same style, even though they weren't made by the same guys. And it was all based on the Godzilla style, right. where it's like, you know, there's a giant person, robot thing that's either defending or destroying Japan. And um, so Ultraman was really the first one. There's other guys like Transor Z, and there's a ton of. There's a ton of history for this character. Okay. And he hasn't had a comic book in God knows how long. I don't know. I so, mean, the, so the reason I kind of brought it up that way is because when I was a kid and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers were coming out, I was just old enough where that was stupid and for uh, kids. Okay. And right. so looking at the pictures I, of this... I was, me too. Young, I was a young child. <laughs> I was and watching I, Barney. And no, I was watching Power Rangers. You were watching yeah. Power, Rangers. Power Rangers. I watched Power Rangers. I'm 32. So okay. I'm just so... I, I mean, not a secret. right, right. That's why I was <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. But so, were you into the Power Rangers? Thing? I watched Power Rangers. I was all about the pink. Okay, Power cool. Rangers. So, yeah. so this is kind of in that style. This started. Ultraman started something called the Ultra Seven, and the Ultra Seven is a group of crime fighting baddies that eventually the Power Rangers. I'm not gonna say stole, but mimic. Cool. Okay. So right. Power Rangers straight up would use footage from an, from like a Japanese show of this genre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they shot like the American actors, they shot their scenes. <laughs> right. And then they would stitch together episodes. Right. Right. You can kind of see that too. Mm-hmm. Like we were, I was somehow ended up watching some old Power Ranger episodes on YouTube or like clips of them not that long ago and I was like, wow. Like and you can tell it's like very choppy and yeah. there's like not a lot of like, Power Rangers is like an homage to yeah. this style of filmmaking, Japanese yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just funny because watching it as a kid, I wasn't observing in a way that was like. Well, of course. Uh, you know, I mean, it was it, new to you. You. Yeah. The history of it, it was I mean, unknown. I so how could know it? that either? I was like, these guys fight. They they do kung fu and then they get in a big robot and then the big <laughs> robot does kung fu and the big robot is <laughs> is the the Voltron thing and and yeah. I mean the Voltron thing was taken from Transor Z, I mean you know this has been being done for sixty plus years right. okay. okay but cool now we find we get this in, it's an Americanized version right of this Japanese hero and who if. Sorry, sure. I don't, and I don't. I didn't mean to cut you off and all no, that. No, no, no. Uh, who's the Who is the writer and the um, artist? It's actually well, it's hard the because the there's the there's five stories in here. That was where yeah. I got very yeah. Lost, there's five so. stories, and they don't mention the writers' names and yeah. the creators until, until the, the first one is the done, first arc, yeah. and then oh, it goes I into see. the second one. Okay. So, and then the second one is just right a splash page story that's I actually see. kind of like a it's like an after school special. Yeah, it's like a page. 
like a public service announcement in the okay in the like meant Kaiju for style. the so well meant for the organization that they're working for right. So Ultraman, the Rise of Ultraman is the main story that we read. Right. And then Ultra Q is that black and white one. Right. And Kaiju Steps is that single page. Yeah. Thing. And then there it appears a few times. Kaiju Steps. It's it's how you know how to walk in the world of a kaiju. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's my interpretation. If you look at... It almost you know, felt like a commercial to me. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, like absolutely. That, yeah. you, ever it's watched, a, you ever watched like a cheesy work training video? Totally. That's like what that is. That, yeah. You know yeah. on the old Microsoft where you have the, the paper clip? Mm-hmm. That, this emoji is it's the paper clip. Oh, that guy is the little kaiju clippy. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. He's, he's there like to it. help educate <laughs> you on the kaiju world. And this book's basically setting up a, a whole world. Right. And that's kind of what's happening within the book, and that's why there's several different stories. Okay. All right. So, so the the writer was a, it's Kyle Higgins, right? Uh, yes. And Matt Groom. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Um, missed opportunity to bring in an Asian creator to work on this character. I that was immediate immediate right. concern of mine. Huge. That's that's why I was asking uh, Jess who the writer was because I was like, is it was it an Asian creator and a Kyle? Higgins? So there is some some I mean, that I know of, some Asian. Artistry in there, Cho Michael Cho, who is phenomenal. Yeah. He's doing those Empire covers, the best of the covers of Empire yeah, are those variants. Cho covers. Um, those Fantastic Four variants, yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, superb, yeah. good. And that I don't want to take any of your thunder, but I thought that was my favorite story. Okay. Was his art one, and not just because of his art, but because of his art, but also the story lent itself to where they're going. I think more than the other two. Okay, okay, so the writers were all the same for each, and then the artists changed. Right. Even on the little ones, yeah. Yeah. I, I felt okay. that the, the excerpts, the, the one-page stories that there was three of, I felt that they were trying to write it in a style that was similar to the way we would get a translation from a Japanese car- comic book that is then, you know, manga is what they call it. But yeah. It felt almost like poorly translated. Right, right, exactly. It's like like, yeah. like a bad dub. You <laughs> and, know? and that's I, I actually like it for that yeah. reason. Okay. I thought it was really cool. I think the little pages are a, a cool little cherry on the top of the two main stories. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I felt I definitely um, liked in both of the main stories the um, female kind of lead characters or at least is what it, I interpreted that as and then also having I don't know why this was funny to me but having kind of the, some male characters that are like trying to get their attention and they're too busy I, I liked the preoccupation with like the more important in things a in a lot of the Godzilla movies and movies of this type um, there will be a damsel in distress often sure. but not always sometimes yeah. the smartest one on the show is the female totally and so they just kind of they, they kept that going. And that's yeah. something I've always admired about that style of filmmaking. Is, you know. So let me, it up. So let me ask American. you this, Jess, because I had very little context for Ultraman going into this. Okay. Like, I kind of knew it was a old Japanese TV show, and that's sort of it. Right. right. Um, did you have any context for this going in? Where you were like, okay, cool, Ultraman, I guess. Uh, Ultraman <laughs> sounded familiar, but I had, that was all. Um, and even not even... Not even knowing that it was um, Japanese inspired. So did you feel lost? A little bit. So did I. Okay. Um, oh really? Yeah, and they they do they try to give you exposition going like throughout, 
but it feels like a like a like they're trying to drop a bunch of information on you. There's definitely a lot of and it, info. And it made me wonder like how much of the like mythology that they're dropping on you in this, how much of that existed in the show and how right. much of it is like new to the comic. I just I have no context for it. So I felt I, I found myself wondering that. There is a team related to Ultraman and and so this it's not taken directly, but it's very similar. In, in what they did with... Because they've made a whole universe regarding Ultraman. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's there's a whole universe, the Ultra 7 and all that stuff. Um, you know, originally when the Ultra 7 came out, they had nothing to do with each other. And then when Ultraman kind of came along and joined them, he never left. It was... He was a mainstay and then they made those universes one. Gotcha. And okay. it wasn't necessarily a pre-thought thing. It's just, it's oh, like, it's just oh, how these it, it worked out. It was the same company kind of that, yeah. that put it together. And so they were like, oh, why don't we just do this? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And so yeah. you'll, like the Godzilla movies, you know, they always have a different villain, but then eventually stuff will cross over. And eventually you'll get King Kong versus Godzilla and stuff like that, which right. we're about to get again. Um, so that's, that's kind of how this all was happening. Okay. They made Ultraman and then everything kind of, Ultraman wasn't the first, but he was the most prominence and he kind of just like the sex pistols aren't the first punk band but when you think of punk rock the sex pistols kind of put it in the forefront of popularity they're not the best punk band they're not the first punk band but they sure as heck made it be well known right yeah ultraman kind of same thing they're not okay. the, he's not the first but he's the reason that it became a popular genre so you were saying you you were a little lost in it, or I think well, even just that there were multiple stories within the same book was that's confusing, confusing for, me. for sure. Um, okay. So then, yeah. So I think that's where I was like, wait, do I know what's happening? Because I felt like I was able to follow along in the first story relatively well. Okay. Um, I also wasn't entirely sure how developed the story was before. So I was like, am I coming into this? Not knowing anything, or is everyone learning all this stuff right now? It's kind of everyone is learning, yeah. Except yeah. for unless you're like me, who who watched that stuff when they were younger. Okay. Well, I and think again, this I... is sort of a reboot of the mythology. I think it's okay. like fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort it's of Marvel's. Felt, take that's what on it seemed like to me. I could be totally wrong. I, I don't think you are wrong. I think you know, like I said, there's we haven't had an Ultraman comic if at all. I'm not sure. Right, and um, and for me, I was I was looking at the there's a variant cover that's an actual like photograph, right? I love that. And cover. I was like, is this is this is this Power Rangers? I was like, I am not gonna long enjoy before this. Power Rangers. Long before. Well, Power and I didn't know that yeah. because that's the style of right. Power, but I mean, it Power looks. Rangers, right? I mean, if you look at it, yeah, it looks like Power Rangers because Power Rangers. Bit was, that style, yeah. Power right, Rangers exactly. is a direct descendant, and that—that that mm-hmm. was my fear going into it. I was like, "This is not for me." But they do a good job in this book, I think. Of, and you don't really see Ultraman, you know. That's what I was like. Well, wait. <laughs> you see his birth or his yeah. revelation to humans in the comic, and that's what's cool about it. And by the way, Chad, you're right. Power Rangers is dumb, but it's also awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, as a, as a as a teenager or whatever, like oh, telling kids cool for this. Yeah. Like for me now, I'd probably watch it and enjoy it. I probably won't just cause I don't watch anything. I tried back but then. I didn't like it. You, yeah. I was like, yeah, you will like it. But the, I think the acting is bad. The, right. But the, I think that the dub is bad. It's, 
like they straight up like the villains in it are also from that old show They're over the top yeah oh right right but and like being older now and being understanding of a lot more things because mm-hmm. i've grown as a person oh, is that how it works that <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that's not always not always yeah i got a few friends who could argue that that's not the case sometimes you regress right but uh but but that being said like i think that anybody that likes the power rangers good man that's yeah awesome. this is definitely like a book for anything them. that you want well, so, I mean, I was trying to kind of be a little coy with it or whatever and let, let Jess talk more about it, but... <laughs> Sorry, I'm not... No, that's totally fine, but... So, my thing was, I, I was super skeptical going in because of that reason, but I loved this book. I thought it was fantastic. Um, the, the art is great. I've, I followed the story ver- very well. I was just like, this is cool, this is great. Of what is going to happen next? Ooh. <laughs> you know, and I, was, I, I did have a question about Shin, though. Um, how does Shin have that equipment or memory of the USP if he failed out? That, that's where so I got it. That is confusing in the book because you're like, okay, so this guy isn't part of it, but he's been studying to become part of it. And that's what he kind of talks about it in the beginning where, like, right. he, everybody feels like he should be there, but for whatever reason, he failed the test. And they haven't told him why. And I know it's going to come into play. He probably didn't fail the test, but he wasn't ready. Okay. Or something. It was or like, like a this person. is the test. Well, who knows? I mean, Ooh, but hey, 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 look at that. Um, the first story was good, but I think it kind of drug in parts, and it was a little confusing. You were like, okay, who's this kid, and why is he involved if he's not involved? And who, you know, why does she even allow it? But then when I read the Frank the the Cho part, I was like, oh man, this is super cool. It, it, that uh, one felt story. Yeah, the backup story. Yeah. That felt more um, centralized. That's my favorite. That's my favorite panel, man. Mine too. It, it's just this cool Art Deco panel of a kaiju knocking people over and then having to to take it on. You know, and that, it's like this, in this gray wash, black and white style. And this backup story is is in 1954. Right, right. right. And so, so it has that noir. So feeling. the art mm-hmm. that they used for the monster harkens back to a guy in a suit. Yeah, when and I first saw it, I was right. like, that's a guy in a suit. They're not right. even fighting a real kaiju. This is going to be Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it's not. Or maybe it is. Maybe it is. Who knows? But I I, I agree with you. I, I think that art is Love great. It. You, could, yeah, you cool. could easily be like, oh, what did they do here? But it's very noir, and it's very of the time of what they're trying to harken back mm-hmm. to. And I, I loved the backup story just as much as I loved the main story. I did not like the kaiju steps at all. So I, I get why you didn't like the kaiju <laughs> steps, but I, I think they're they're good um just the little the little dude like giving you like a like an after school special thought i thought was cool and the way the way the sentence structure works where it's obvious that it was translated translated poorly even though it's it's not yeah it's just on purpose i thought was a cool little little detail that they did that some people may not notice it's true if you're not into this genre I liked them, those kaiju steps. I was, but I was glad that they were each only a page long. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. They weren't right. supposed to. They would be. In fact, I don't think horrible. we needed three of them. Right. Yeah. One, yeah. I didn't read the, the last reason, one. I oh, was really? Like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't read stuff. You're like, what when it's not for me anymore. <laughs> the like, stuff I'm, is. <laughs> um, like I will. Get I, the reason there was three. This, so I though, continue to read it. The reason there was three is to show you that this is reoccurring right it's reoccurring yeah. I mean, if you just saw two it doesn't quite get the point across if you look in the Comedy in the new threes. war one yes let's see if we can find it really quick one more look at this right one. here so, so <laughs> when this when this happened here 
like they're fighting the kaiju and they they hit him with a net. Right. <laughs> my, my mind immediately said, ah, a net. The kaiju's only natural. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bullets, my only weakness. How'd you know? That's awesome. <laughs> but I this I, this story is the second story. The backup story is is a really cool explanation of of the beginnings of which may end up being the Ultra Seven. I'm not sure. Okay. They haven't really said, but you know, it's the beginnings of this organization I thought that was, has to deal with. I thought it was the beginning of the USP. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, just as a as a new reader, I think I think that is super confusing to to have a book that is Anthology. a number one, and then you know they they put the title page at the end. Uh-huh. Which I guess, okay, that's good to put there because it, it tells you, oh, this is the end and it breaks it. Now these are different stories. Right. But I also not taking up real estate by having creators on each individual page later. Like, you know, if the first first story went right. around and you took up real estate by saying who the writers were in that first one. But I mean, they've done the that in other books. Comes, they, they have, but the maybe beginning. they realize, well, I mean, you know, no, no, just no, like no. runtime. I mean, They're padding runtime. No, no, no. What I'm saying is they've done it before where you have other stories and they put all that in the beginning at the title page. Right, mm-hmm. right. I like my title page in the beginning because it's the title. So this book is terrible because you don't like it. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you well, and as someone who's only, who that. hasn't seen, like this is the second one I've read. Right, right. So I think based off of the first one, I had expectations. And then this one. Oh, which yeah, this is totally kind of, different yeah, from Yeah, which was comic. totally fine. Like, I don't mind that, as, but I did feel... A little confused about just the structure, I think. Um, but well, then I, I understood, like, oh no, those are like little commercials that are okay. adding. You know, that's what it just felt like a commercial to me. Although but, it's uncommon yeah. for a number one to have an anthology type setting like this, it's yeah. not unheard of. Okay. And honestly, I I thought it would like when we got to the end of the first the first story in there, I was like, Is it, what? There's like. There's so much there's more. Like, there's like I 10 pages of story left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually was like, oh, okay, so the rest is just letter notes, and I put it down for a second. I was like, wait a minute. That's a lot of letter notes for a number one. <laughs> I almost, <Right. laughs> like, I was, I toyed with the thought of not reading the rest of it, because I was like, uh, you know, because the first thing you flip to is like is one of these kaiju step things, and I was like, oh, okay, so it's just backup stuff. And I was like, ah, but we're talking about this on the podcast, so I better read all of it. You know, and you know why I, I went to the, it. The Frank Cho part was my favorite part too. I just really dig that art style. Yeah, it's cool. so really I wanted to look and see who the creators were because there was no title page. Right, and that's really the reason that I was like, oh wait, look in the more because I was just going to skip the, the the prologue stuff, and okay. I was like, oh wait, there's there's but wait, there's more. Boy, and, and so, yeah, uh, the I'm main, glad I did. The main story I really liked because the, the male-female <laughs> relationship is a friendship, mm-hmm. you know, and... They almost feel like brother and sister, almost. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but it's, it's there's none of that, like... I do not oh. get the sense at all that it is romantic in any way. Yeah, right? no, and yeah. that's, that's what I like about it. feel like we grew up together and we're just friends. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she kind of takes him under his preoccupied, but not in a like romantic way when she's well, when texting she, him, like she, because she cares, but not in a romantic. You know, well, I mean? she gets into the USP and he doesn't, and yeah. and so she's all awkward about it. She's yeah, she's like, like hey, uh, which is you know, that's one of those things. <laughs> um, so I I do have a question for you guys because you guys kind of have more behind the inside baseball knowledge. 
do you know if they're going to continue the six dollar price point for the book and keep it? Very as unlikely. Big? It's okay. going to go down the four it'll, bucks. It'll go to three ninety. I mean, okay. Marvel always does that. They'll right. they'll use any reason they can. It, oh, it's issue twenty five, double size. And issue it, number one, double size. Right, exactly. Anything? But I would say that. Oh, hold on. Oh wow. So price. The price is yeah. The price just, will probably go down to three ninety nine, like most books. If do. anything, they'll do four ninety nine because of the backup story, right? Because yeah. the backup keep story, backup the backup story. story is gonna continue. Would yeah. be my guess, and I and it'll just be shorter going forward. Would be honestly, I would I would still pay six bucks for oh, this, cool. just for a Scotty Young yeah. cover, man. Yeah, I got the Scotty Young cover. Yeah, He's all yeah. it's a good one. Um, I had people asking for that cover today. That's why I kind of asked you if oh, you took sorry. it. Because I was like, yeah, we have one on the wall. And then I went over there. I was like, wait, no, you don't. we just opened and there's not one over here. Uh, we have Cool Whip. Uh, no, you don't. I ate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I know that's that's kind of how we do the ratings. And, you know, as high as I've been talking about it, I'm 100% on for number two. <laughs> okay, okay, awesome. Um, I didn't dislike this book it's well it's well done it's it's just not it's just not your thing it's just not really grabbing me okay. um so i'll read number two if it's a light week <laughs> so you're not a fan of 60 foot robot dudes not really um if if it had given me more to grab onto i probably would have i probably would be jazzed to read issue two but I'm not crazy about how it was paced. I would have liked... There's a pretty major thing I would have liked to have seen before the last page of the book. But... <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. there. It's there. I, I actually like the way the first story ends, you know, with the um, the, the the reveal of sorts and... <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. It, it was enjoyable to me. I, I, I can see how the last one kind of drags along, but... Leave it to a woman to figure out that they don't need to destroy this dude. Right. And maybe if they talk to him and they figure something out. Hey, down, hey, everyone. Put it away and, you know, let's approach this differently for Christ's sakes. And, you know, that, that's typical of, uh, you know, of a storyline to, to have somebody with a cooler head prevail. Right. And that's what I enjoyed about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I probably, I probably won't end up reading issue two. Um, and okay. it's, but it's not a function of the comic not being good. It's just a function of I read a lot of comics and it needs to really grab me for me to want to keep reading it. Okay. Chris? Yeah, oh, I'm I'm on. Yeah. I mean, but I knew before I even picked the book up that I was going to okay. read it. Because you're familiar with... Familiar. Ultraman. I'm not okay. I'm not in love with that genre. Right. Um, you know, I like Godzilla. I like Ultraman. I like all that stuff. I love Japanese culture. Me too. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that I would like this book because of my experience with it, you know, knowing the stuff that I've seen in the past. As long as it's done well, you know, I mean, right. if the book had been mm-hmm. done poorly, I would have been like, oh, they screwed up Ultraman. Great. And I would have moved on. Now, yeah. Chris, do you know if this is an ongoing or if it'll, is it just a mini? I believe it's a mini. Be like a five or six issues or something. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine that they're like, let's see how this does. Yeah, they're right. going to test it out. With well, yeah. so there was that Swordmaster and Arrow. And those are American versions of Japanese storytelling as well, um, and you know one's very manga-ish yeah, and one's very those kung fu. Asian creators on them, right? <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. So I was kind of, you know, apprehensive that they were going to be as not great as those books. I I liked Arrow. 
I wasn't a huge fan of Swordmaster. So, Jess. Yes. Now it comes to you. Okay. That's how we rate the books. Are you on for number two? Oh. Do we have a new subscription person on our hands? <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. Let's let's say you, you <laughs> don't have to be on the spot. The you, don't, you don't have to be on uh, new. I just you, mean you don't have to be on board. You can yeah, right, 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 right. I don't know. Why, I, mean, I don't know why. I, I think just if it, like bluntly, no. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I don't. It's not like I can Put your say on specifically why. why. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it does feel like a lot. Two different stories plus three different other single pages that are all it's three part of the same story but very different yeah. was I think a little bit disarming for me. Okay. As a new comic As a new what reader, did we read last week thing. together? What did you read last week? Um, it was it was um, we, we all find them when they're dead. Okay, yeah. okay. I'm just trying to think of what kind of story would grab you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I know, yeah. I mean, that's what's interesting to hear from new comic book readers is like the way that you did this. This is a number one. This is supposed to be an entry to right. new readers. Any number one should be because, right? That's kind of yeah, the idea no, is get someone on board. And when you can't, when you throw it in that way, and and I'm I'm with you in the sense of like that wacky one page kaiju steps. I'm like, what is this? Get this garbage out of here. It breaks up the tone. For it, sure. it definitely changes the tone because the first one is it's comic book. There's mild tongue in cheek humor, but for the most part, it's it's a serious book. Right. Um, and then you get this weird, wacky, nonsensical thing, and then you go into that noir style, and then and, you get and you more even get wackiness. that broken up with right. the wackiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I can totally see that. I think just the overall direction of the story is hard to like. I don't know how it's all going to mesh and make sense for one. This is what will. This first story was what will be going forward. The book. It's and we may get like he was saying. The second part will get some, as well. But right. this will be what the main tone will be like. This. Okay, I think if it was just this, I would have been more open to seeing what happens next. Fair enough. But cool. the other, yeah. Awesome. Spoiler: Ultraman. <laughs> well, we know he's a man, and he's ultra. Ultra. I love that Scotty Young cover. I mean, <laughs> it's so good. So Scotty Young's been in the shop, and he was super cool. Yeah, really um, cool. His art is is something that's that's accessible to most people, unless you're like a toxic masculinity man. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like that's, that's the only way I could. Yeah, with your salmon <laughs> mesh pink yeah. shirt. I'd talk you know. about relationships in all the books. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I really like the relationship. I like the way that they're sweet to one another. This guy is a man. <laughs> uh, needless to say, um, I love Scotty Young's. Art. It's just like I said. It's it's yeah. it's, and he's got those little statues too that he's come out with. Scotty yeah. Young statues. Oh yeah, I saw yeah, those um those in an ad. In they come Marvel out from book. they come out through like Marvel premiere. Yeah, I kind of want the Thanos one. I think he's holding a balloon. We had that for like a decade. No, and I never bought it, and somebody else did. We still Wherever have a Wolverine over there. Yeah, I think there's a Wolverine. One. There's a Wolverine, and we're getting a Black Panther oh where he's gosh. playing with a. A ball of yarn. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'll go quick. Uh, it's already sold, actually. <laughs> I was yeah. Say, yeah. yeah. I think that was sold almost immediately, didn't it? Uh, I showed it to somebody in the book, and they're like, order that for me. I was like, okay. okay. Cindy. Cindy. I was going to say, it was Cindy, wasn't it? Cindy Filth. Mm. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, so, her, her last name is Firth, but when it was written on the on the 
a thing. I was like, Cindy Filth. And they were like, no, it's Firth. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, yeah. So yeah. she's not a punk rock lead singer? I was say, she's her punk rock persona. With Savicious and Johnny Rotten. So keep that in mind, guys. If you're if you're listeners in the local Albuquerque area, you can come in and you can order stuff that, that is not in the shop. You can just be like, hey, I know that there's this thing. Can you get it for me? Yeah, as long, as long as we can, can we will. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I really appreciate everybody listening uh, this week. I hope everybody had fun, and we'll see you next time.